Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. In this video, I'm going to be talking about the seasonal format and kind of reviewing it after an entire year three of the format. If you're listening to this on iTunes or Spotify, maybe Google Play, you can always catch me live at SayNoToRage.com. That brings you to the YouTube channel where you can hit subscribe, the bell button, or the join button to become a paying member. If you prefer Patreon, SNTRPresents.com has all the same membership tiers and you can sync up with Discord to get the benefits. So... I want to walk through this, you know, the good, the bad, and the end game. Is this even doing anything for the end game? And the reason this came up, the reason this came up was because the Discord had folks saying, talk about the seasonal format. Is it extending the end game or is it maintaining it? They kind of felt like we were promised that the seasonal format would be an extension of the end game. And so we're gonna we're gonna leave that at the end of this of this video to kind of massage and talk about, like put flesh it out. Is this seasonal format, especially in year three, is it working well for the end game? What has it done for the end game? But before we do that, I did want to talk about there are things that were good about this format as well as bad. There's also, I think, going to be a distinct difference between the seasonal format in year three and the seasonal format in year four. Main reason being in year three, stuff was limited to literally the season. So Sundial was gone after three months. That's changing in year four. So we have to consider that in our critique that they're no longer going to say, here's the seasonal activity and then yank it away three months later. So let's just talk about the good. What did the seasonal format bring that was good? I actually thought the content rhythm felt significantly better. I know this is subjective. Some people think DLC is better. I I happen to think these people are kind of crazy. The droughts and the absence of content and things to do were significantly bigger and longer in the DLC format. So I feel that the content rhythm is better with respect to timing. I'm able to more consistently come back and do chase grind something in Destiny. If you love playing Destiny, there is a more consistent rhythm. Uh, The player base numbers seem to support that this is better now again somebody might say well that's just because they have to or the season pass is playing a big part because people don't want to miss out on those rewards i think that's probably playing a factor in people you know the, the 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 community numbers especially for pve are more consistent and more stable and the season pass could be playing a role there you know usually we get about two weeks before the season's up the numbers uh usually severely drop at that point and one of the reasons for that is i believe is that people are kind of done with the season pass around that time the story beats alongside this rhythm of content i believe that the story beats and the thematic sort of aesthetic has been very solid so how everything looked in undying and then dawn Season of the Worthy was a weak season, but again, the story beats and how everything looked, I felt like was was really, really good. It had an identity, it had a feel, the ships were coming. I think that, that, that unique evolution of storytelling was actually pretty cool. And now we've got, you know, the pyramid ships are in the skybox. They're at these planets. We have this weekly story beat thing with Eris. I actually feel that has been very good. I, I don't think the old DLC format was as good. It was like, boom, a bunch of cutscenes, a couple of missions, and then you're done, right? Then you're done. So that I feel that the storytelling and how things feel very thematically and how they're connected, there's better baton passing here. It's like all of a sudden we get Osiris's attention. He's like, hey, you guys, what are you doing with, you know, that way gate that you're building, that vex gate? And then he's like, I need your help with something. And then 
because we helped him and because of what he was doing, he confronts Rasputin. And Rasputin's like, you have no idea what's going on here, buddy. And then we build this defense network with Rasputin. And then all of a sudden, the pyramid ships show up and the defense network showed us they were on the way. I feel like the baton passing for the story has been significantly better than in times past. Ada and Drifter and Opulence were completely disconnected. They were like different comic book arcs. You know what I mean? It's like, well, this one's about Superman. This one's about Batman. They're not even remotely connected. They're but they're happening sort of in the same universe that's kind of how the old format even the even the old seasonal format when it was Ada Drifter and Opulence they didn't really feel connected I think innovation has been pretty good with certain things the artifact you know armor 2.0 war mine cells dungeon you know mechanics in the dungeon I feel like in this seasonal format they've been good to innovate that you know the champion mods the artifact the artifact leveling the resetting of that it's, it's not there. It's not polished. But the innovation, I think, has been good in year three seasonal format delivery. It hasn't been perfect, but they're taking steps and trying new things. And I think that's admirable. And I think we're going to end up probably enjoying how that stuff gets refined in year four. Good starting place. Artifact needs some work. Champions, champion mods need some work. But the innovation, I think, was good. Warmind cells. Again, weakest season but a cool idea and cool innovation with respect to builds and power that the guardian can harness i think that the uh the warmind cells were another really good step for innovation now let's talk about the bad because year three certainly has had its low points and its mistakes and its missteps um and again i'm not going to get into like trials i'm more talking about the seasonal format we could beat up trials for a day and just talk about all the bad things that happen with trials that has nothing to do with the seasonal format so if you're like i can't believe you didn't talk about anti-cheat and trials this is about the format of content delivery and how some of it was good and some of it was bad okay three months was clearly not enough time for certain activities it just wasn't it made everything feel rushed it made everything feel thin and not substantive and super simplistic and it led to a loot generosity that was way too high and a player agency a player intentionality that was way too high uh, so Dawn, you know, it was just too easy to get weapons. It was too fast, right? It leads to a content loop that is mega, mega front heavy. The seasonal format this year was stupidly front heavy. You can kind of see it in the season pass, which I don't necessarily have a problem with this, but one through 10, 20, and then 30, and it starts to thin out around 40. So all the way until about rank 30, all the way until about rank 30, it is just insanely front heavy, okay? I don't think that's the best format of delivery in a seasonal content. I think it should be a little bit more stretched out and spaced out so your second and third months don't feel so dry, okay? Now, I think, hopefully, they can make a change in year four because seasonal content isn't going away after three months. I think with it sticking around for an entire year, that might empower them and embolden them to say, Eh, there's not going to be loot or versions of the activity or drops or bosses until the second month. You can't really do that when the seasonal content's you know expiring after three months. So the content loop felt very front heavy, which led to the seasons feeling very thin and dry about halfway through for more hardcore players. On the subject of hardcore players, 
the seasonal format is not structured for them uh it just isn't they've had to remove barriers for leveling and infusion so that grind is super fast and hardcore players glide over it typically anyway but then when they set their sights on the loot grind the content loop updating the recaster or updating the obelisks or whatever there's not enough meat on the bones for the hardcore player to a certain degree seasonal content's never going to put enough meat on the bones for the hardcore player but they could do something to throw them a bone something to gnaw on throughout the season i think that analogy works very well throw them a bone give them something to gnaw on something to grind and i think the dungeon is close but by and large year three has ignored the hardcore player this has been admitted by luke smith they basically said aspirations not there and i think strategically it made sense they essentially said, we got to focus on the middle of the pack. There's more of them. There's more mid lanes. There's more casuals than hardcores. If we can keep them going and keep them paying and buying, that'll buy us enough time to really build, you know, year four. And so that's the bad. I just think the bad was too thin, too limited, and no, no real substance and depth there for the more committed and more hardcore player, which ultimately leads to the end of this video. What has the seasonal format done for the end game? Has it extended it? Has it deepened it? Yes and no. Okay, yes and no. Armor 2.0 definitely brought more depth in your build and more customization. However, with a lack of true difficulty spectrum, the end game does not feel extended. They've not deepened it or broadened it. The, you know, Armor 2.0 is there, but it's like, why do I need to do any of this? Other than Grandmasters, and Grandmasters feel slapped together. They feel like a beta test. They don't feel nuanced. There's not enough there's not enough dynamics and variety. They feel very, very ham-fisted into the game. I would say this. This is my conclusion about the endgame question. The endgame feels like it's been maintained and rhythmic, which is fine, but maintained and rhythmic is not the same as extending or deepening. And the hope would be that year four brings more capstone activities, difficulties, and loot hierarchy as a means of of extending and deepening the end game. If there's more challenging activities, if there's more challenging difficulties and subsequently rewards to go along with it, that's an extended and deepened end game. This stuff's better. This stuff's stronger. Why do I need it? There's harder activities. There's a harder difficulty on the horizon. A hard mode for a raid, hard mode for dungeons, better difficulty spectrum in nightfalls. That I think would be a deepening and extending of the endgame and the season could lean into that rhythm seasonal aspiration goals in grandmaster or seasonal aspiration difficulties in raids or challenges something to maintain those the relevancy of that content the desire to go into that content so if loot hierarchy is perpetual then i think every season you can feel like it's being extended there's new things for me to chase there's new things at the upper echelon of the loot hierarchy if loot hierarchy is just showing up in the expansion hey beyond light we got a dungeon we got a raid there's true loot hierarchy and then you know trials will have its adept stuff in the winter season but then if that's the end of it and then the seasonal content is just basically a seasonal grind a seasonal activity and a season pass it's going to get really really dry again for the hardcore players you have to perpetuate loot hierarchy and end game aspiration and end game difficulty if those things do not move in perpetuity it'll feel very much like the expansion's really the only good time where all that's there once you kind of exhaust that and get everything that you need the seasonal content will feel like that's eh, just for the casuals and it doesn't need to be that juxtaposed i believe with true 
difficulty spectrum being maintained and seasonal loot hierarchy in those endgame activities kind of replenishing and renewing them I believe you can extend the and deepen the endgame every season now eventually it's going to be like well this is kind of your playground this is your hardcore playground and there's hardcore things to do and chase but by and large you don't really you don't really feel that right now and you didn't feel that in year three hopefully we see that in year four as always if you're listening to this on itunes google play spotify you're watching on youtube you can always watch me live at say no to rage.com or support me directly at sntrpresents.com as always please like share and subscribe Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be the Q&A session that followed my talk about the seasonal format review. If you're listening to this content on Spotify or iTunes, maybe on Google Play, you can always watch me live at saynotorage.com. That'll bring you to the YouTube. You can click subscribe, the bell button, or the join button to become a paying member with tiers and benefits. If you'd rather use Patreon, sntrpresents.com will take you to the Patreon. Those tiers are identical to the ones on YouTube, and you get all those perks in discord the first question comes from barrett destiny's content loop usually provides little to no endgame content to enjoy every season should they move to a longer time frame between releases and focus on building upon the expansions rather than individual seasons that feel disconnected see i don't think we want to go back down this road because i don't think this nets you more endgame even when they did this format i don't feel like you got more endgame now you might be like oh but the raid layers I don't know if that's worthy of being called like substantive endgame. Two two guns in each raid layer. A lot of the raid layers are busy work. They're not super like it's not like you go in and you need to really challenge and and build and spec out for the jumping puzzles and you know the in betweens and stuff. And so I I would say that's not going to net you a more substantive endgame. What I think would net you a more substantive endgame would be good spectrum of content and spectrum of loot. Because look at what we got. Let's just take Season of Dawn as a test case. If Season of Dawn wouldn't have expired after three months and it had difficulty spectrum and loot spectrum, that is that's your endgame. You would grind up, get some loot, gear up, beef up, and then start grinding it on the, tr- the the more the more challenging difficulties and getting better loot accordingly. You see that it would not feel like oh, it's just padding, it's just filler, it's just you know basic garden variety, almost like public event content. It would be no, there is depth here to this activity and this loot pool. That is how you extend and deepen the end game at a seasonal rhythm. If you don't do that, all you're doing is is basically doing this, hey, here's an expansion. The expansion has a raid, maybe a dungeon. They're going to update trials to adept gear. They're, they're aiming at the winter season. And that's basically an annual endgame investment. And then after that, if you go back to the seasonal format of like super basic seasonal content that you run, you run the loop and get the loot and then you're done, I think the hardcore community is going to say, ah... <laughs> That doesn't, that doesn't feel like a substantive endgame. You're not extending the endgame. You're merely sort of maintaining it, like just giving me a new circle to run in. One of the biggest things they're going to have to deal with is their own created loot hierarchy. If you spend 
uh, November and December getting really dope upper echelon standout weapons from the raid what are they going to add in the winter, spring, and summer seasons for you to care about? That's why I said in my video, the loot hierarchy needs to be perpetuated. There needs to be upper level content and upper level gear every season, which is why when you use Season of Dawn as a test case, if the da- if, if, if the sundial wouldn't have gone away after three months, they could have extended its relevancy, added a very a, a more interesting hard mode with you know, more going on and better loot inside of it. An actual loot incentive attached to the harder version and the harder, you know, the harder mode. So Sundial and Season of Dawn as a test case, there's actually enough content and even enough loot there to create that end game depth and that end game expansion as a, as as a, as, a, as an actual like, oh, I have something to chase as a hardcore player. And someone's bringing up sunsetting. That's exactly how sunsetting should work. Imagine in 2021 in the spring season, there's some there's some new hotness. There's some new guns that are best in class, they're standout, and they're in some hard mode, some end game challenging environment. And you get those guns. Well, those guns are going to last longer into year 5. Year 5 will get k- kicked off with the Witch Queen, right? Well, those guns are going to last longer in year 5. Why? Well, because you got them later in year 4. So when stuff starts dropping off from, oh, it's been a year since the winter season, I got a couple of things that are dropping off endgame viability, oh, well, no problem. You, you, you have, you, you have something to, to, to use instead because it's got a longer shelf life. You got it later in year four. This is why loot hierarchy needs to be perpetual because if not, all you're going to do is a bunch of people are going to get best in class weapons in September or November when it, you know, beyond light, it was supposed to land in September, you know, season one of year four, you get in that first season and then you get all the best in class weaponry and then the winter and the spring and the summer doesn't offer anything to add to your end game builds and your best in class builds so you basically use the same stuff for a year it gets sunset a year later and it's real real like chopped off you're like whoop bam all this stuff just got sunset instead of being like well i have a shotgun from the spring season and i have a hand cannon from the summer season that's gonna last longer i'm not automatically having to shelve my entire loadout my entire kit and build you're almost it's almost like a rolling calendar so if there is no perpetual nature to end game hard content or higher upper echelon like higher tiered loot if that's not perpetual throughout the year hardcores are going to get bored really fast and sunsetting will feel a lot more bam chop off painful because you're gonna get one year away from that raid and be like well that's my entire loadout the raid and the dungeon were the only sources for true loot hierarchy and there was nothing else the rest of the year so this is exactly why i think you need more difficulty spectrum more challenging like more hard mode and then the hard mode having like the truly best stuff that needs to be something every season every single season MG Avenger as someone who is an endgame player it is clear that the strats have not changed for the most part minus sandbox changes the seasonal content gives us the new ways to tackle content but not in my eyes expanding it do you believe that just adding new ways to tackle content is expanding the endgame well, I think I described what you just described as maintaining endgame rhythm 
but not expanding it. Now we have to be reasonable here. We can't have an an endless expanding endgame. You can't have endgame power creep. Well, now this is harder than this, and this is harder than that, and this is harder than that. Like that wouldn't work, okay? What I believe you do is you create a merry-go-round at the upper echelon. You got to raid in a dungeon, and then the next season, what do you have? A reason to run grandmasters would be good. Put some put some aspirational loot in there that's new for that season. You know, winter season needs to add. A, a hard mode to their seasonal content you know the winter season adds this new horde mode thing there needs to be a hard mode there needs to be better loot in there you can't extend endgame for forever but what you can do is create essentially a merry-go-round that every season you've got a loop for the hardcore players right now there is no loop for the hardcore players so they tend to check out after about a month to a month and a half it's, it's not like we can get into the winter, spring, and summer seasons of year four and be like, yep, they just keep extending the endgame. Extend, 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 extend. Harder, harder, harder. More challenging, more challenging, more challenging. No, 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 no. There's a ceiling on that. There's a ceiling on that. Think of it this way. In the same way that Sundial was a really great merry-go-round loop for casual and mid lanes... We need a merry-go-round and a content loop for the hardcore players every season. There's a couple simple ways to do this. A hard mode on the seasonal content with a loot motivator. And a loot motivator in Grandmaster Nightfalls. And don't make Grandmaster Nightfalls so ham-fisted and stupid. Make them more interesting, more nuanced, and more thoughtful. Not just slamming... you know 12 negative modifiers in a delta like be more thoughtful but that's how you do it you would land in the spring season and say where am I going to set my sights as a hardcore player the hard mode of the seasonal content's got some dope stuff in there some pretty strong rolls some pretty dope loot and then grandmaster's got a new a new set of armor or a new that's why I think there needs to be grandmaster loot that gets an update every season a full armor set that looks super dope and maybe a gun that can only be gotten in Grandmaster. You know, Grandmaster should have loots with loot uh, with stats seventy plus. Well, you you got to be careful because you can get into what I call the theater of the absurd. I mean, eventually you're gonna have too many, too many, too much stats. You have so many stats. It's gonna be like we, we're too, you're you're giving us too many numbers to play with and and build with. You know, Grandmaster should be a source of endgame aspirational loot. High stat roll armor, yes. Certain dope guns, yes. And then after that, well, why would you continue to run it? Well, sunsetting or new perks or something. Like, that's one of the biggest questions I think Bungie has to answer. Other than a title, why would I go for Grandmaster every season? Other than checking off the box of the triumph and the title, what's the reason? What's the loot motivator? I think that question needs to be answered. I think Grandmaster loot should have like its own cool, pretty dope loot pool, you know, every, every season. Now, eventually you might be like, I don't really care about high stat roll armor, but if the armor is super unique, if you can only get that really dope armor set from Grandmaster, well, you're going to want it to be high stat roll because it's going to replace what you're currently wearing. 
They can barely make pinnacle gear for trials, apparently. Didn't they say they had enough they didn't have enough bandwidth for one or the other? No, 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 no. It, it, that, now we're getting way off track. He, what was said was there were no pinnacle weapons as far as like edgewise loaded question. They didn't do those because they did trials. So the answer was basically like we wanted to make weapons for trials and so that means we didn't have enough time to make three pinnacle weapons or whatever they call them at the end. What they call them? Ritual weapons? Um, so I would say the if if they don't have enough bandwidth to do that, this is one of the questions about year four going forward. Are they going to have enough bandwidth to really, really feed that end game? I, I think that's that's a, that's a completely that's a totally fair question. How are you guys going to give us enough loot? How are you going to fill all these vacancies you created with sunsetting? It's a, it's a, it's a valid question. How, as Avengers asking here, how do you expand the end game? How do you give hardcore players more stuff to do? Why on earth am I going to be grinding Grandmaster Nightfalls in the spring of 2021? What's the motivation? You gotta, I think, I think those are questions that need to be answered for year four, because if you're going to really, really try to what Luke Smith said, his sights on the one director's cut is actually refuel aspiration. I believe was the expression he used refuel aspiration. If you're going to do that, I think you need a whole lot more than grandmaster nightfalls and a triumph and a title. I don't think that's enough. I think that's going to get real, real thin and chintzy over time. Lightleap says, I find it ridiculous how we all got fooled by Bungie. Grandmasters were supposed to be a one-time completion thing for a good reason. It's terrible, non-enjoyable content. And now we are treating it like it's a legitimate endgame activity. Well, I'm not. I have continued to say, if Grandmasters is going to be something perpetual, it needs to be way more thoughtful, way more nuanced, and then you can put some gear in there every season. I agree with you. It cannot be the standard for endgame activity difficulty. It's sloppy. I called it ham-fisted. It's just, boom, it's just shoved into the game. Not thoughtful. There's no, it's, there's nothing, there's nothing, you know, nuanced or special about it at all. However, if you're going to do it, there's got to be a loot motivator. I'm saying two things. Refine it as an activity, but second, for Pete's sakes, wh- where is the loot motivator? At least put a really dope armor set in there so you could unlock each individual armor set and get a full ornamental set. You know, I- Imagine grinding six nightfalls to essentially get a full set and the six nightfall unlocks it as an ornamental set bam and now you can look dope for actually going through that stupid checkbox and beating your head against that wall i don't think that's enough right i don't think that's good enough i think that they i think that they 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 need more but at least that would be something you know that would be something, a ritualistic every season. If I want to get that hotness, that really dope armor ornament set, I can only get it from Grandmaster. I think people would do it. I still don't think that that's, that's validating to Grandmaster Nightfalls' content. Yo, Mark Jr. becoming a VIP. Thank you for clicking the join button and for picking the VIP tier. You get a lot of perks in Discord. An hour of early access to Q&A and VIP fight nights as well as other things. So be sure to get into Discord. Thank you so much for supporting the channel. 
Make it good first. We can talk loot later. Loot in general question. Every endgame needs more and better loot, not only Grandmasters. Talking about Grandmaster endgame loot legitimizes his endgame content. Well, I understand. I understand what you're saying. I mean, I think anybody familiar with my content knows that I get out the I get out the machete and I just slice up Grandmasters as bad content. You know? So if I'm talking about Grandmasters as like a seasonal content injection as well as loot injection. Hopefully most people understand baked into that is you got to make grandmasters not so god awful <laughs> like they're terrible. Gillian the Mist. Do you think some uh something uh, akin to Rainbow Six's operation health, a season focused on bugs, quality of life fixes could prove effective. It seems Bungie is pushing content out so fast they're not stopping to look to see if it'll be received well. We have gotten this question a lot. I got this question a lot on Twitch um, about, well, couldn't they just do an entire season of, uh, couldn't they just do an entire season of like, we got to fix the game. We got to fix these problems. I don't necessarily know. There's a lot of unknowns here. Number one, would that net us a benefit? Would it? Does pressing pause on deliverables suddenly make quality of life fixes better? I don't know. Does pressing pause on deliverables suddenly make those deliverables better when they show up? Yeah, probably. They had more time to make those deliverables polished and good and ready. But, and and, and I guess the third unknown is, how would the community handle that with engagement, purchase, you, are are you gonna charge me for Operation Health? <laughs> you gonna you gonna charge me to pay for content that fixes the game? I don't think number one. I don't know if it's necessary to do this. It seems like uh, an extreme. It seems like an extreme a- approach. And would the extreme approach net extreme benefits? Would it? So, I don't disagree with the intention and the heart behind what you're saying. I think it's well intended. Like, hey, Bungie, why don't you just press pause and just really, really rebuild and fix some things here? I, I, it's good. It's great intentions. But can they pull it off? Would it actually function and work? I think part of the problem is, imagine they would have done that instead of Season of the Worthy. It had gone in, did a lot of changes, made a lot of updates. Would that have suddenly made this season better, more substantive, have more depth? No, I mean, it might have made the bounty grind a little bit better, you know? It's just, until we're in year four, I don't know, you know, if we're going to see an increase in agility. Without an increase, without an increase in agility, I don't know if you're suddenly going to have something like this work. You know, if they don't have the agility, would pressing pause net us a bunch of really good, quick turnaround changes? If, 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 so they're like, okay, this season we're taking a break. We're going to make all these changes. But from what we know with agility, those changes might not even be really good or even in response, you know, even in response to feedback. I think that would be my concern about it. Lack of agility would make this really ineffective. Maybe, maybe in year four, agility 
could increase and therefore this type of thing or, or just responses and updates in general could help and happen more often uh, Kane Aaron says how can Bungie reinvigorate players to truly care about the endgame aside from garden, prophecy, and trials endgame is practically non-existent I don't feel like builds in Grandmaster Nightfalls or endgame this is where I think Bungie needs to tap into the idea that we can build craft to solve pain. It's right now what we do is we build craft to maximize brute force power, whether it's recovery or getting your super and your grenade back really fast. So you can just all you're doing is maximizing your power output you are not build crafting to solve a problem this enemy has armor and it's really effective and the armor comes off faster if you hit them with war mine cells i can now build craft to solve that problem do you see the difference there's an enormous difference between building and crafting a build and coming up with something that enables you to attack a particular pain point now you don't have to you can just say well this is just faster this is more efficient to do with war mine cells right now what you end up doing is is you go in and you say okay how do I maximize my recovery, my discipline, and then after that, it's usually like maybe your intellect or strength, depending on your build. All you're trying to do is is maximizing how often you can do things that are powerful instead of maximizing function or or a mechanic or a form that enables you to go into content and do things more efficiently the closest we got and you guys know i reference this all the time the closest we got was master nightmare hunts for time trials because we were trying to come up with unique solutions for the pain and the required speed and efficiency you know ariana's vow and wendigo um izanagi's burden we're trying to do everything we can to maximize our efficiency i think that was like the beginning of it this content has XYZ pain points. You can beat those pain points more efficiently if you run these mods and these builds. That doesn't exist in Destiny. All Destiny does is it hits you with a giant club and you're like, okay, the best thing I can do is build myself to tank that club or dodge it or evade it and then I gotta build my own club. Wham! You're just trying to hit the boss with as much damage as you possibly can. It's pure power exchange. So in if the, if they were to build something into Grandmasters, there are particular champions, enemies, or mechanics that are really tough, but you have build options to mitigate their toughness. You're suddenly in a scenario where your build is more directly connected with efficiency and beating something quicker or faster or whatever, and that's, I think... That's a that's a better power fantasy. Man, we shredded that new champion, that new pain point they added. We shredded it, dude. Felt so good. We tried a couple different combinations, tried a couple different things. This build, these new mods, these new perks, this new mechanic we can use. Oh, this is great. So what you're doing is you're creating a sense of pain pain solving through build crafting as opposed to 
it's just they're really strong what can we do to constantly have rifts to survive walls to survive wells to survive and then everything we can do to maximize our damage output how you know how to hide and how to like not die super fast there is something that you do right now okay you know you do this you know you do this go into content you hit an enemy with a oppressive darkness grenade and then you go bam 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 with the guillotine heavy attack and they die okay you feel dope doing that you feel like you kind of came up with that even though maybe you heard about it from your friend or maybe you saw a build video it doesn't matter you attach the sense of power and efficiency to your decision that you made I'm running oppressive darkness man boom I throw it down boom I hit him with the sword boom I got discipline really high rated I'm running a demolished gun you attach that power to yourself almost as if you are that guy doing the strong cool thing you know do you wash your marvel tees you seem to keep their color uh my wife i think a lot of times turns them inside out and for some of them she tries to like low tumble or hang them to dry she treats my shirts with a lot of uh a lot of care i appreciate you noticing though (laughs) i also have so many shirts they don't get worn and washed that often i'll wear this shirt once a month maybe so it gets washed less worn less so they do they last a long time because i have so many if i was wearing them weekly it wouldn't it wouldn't look that way um so yeah that's what i think they need to do that's what i need they think they need to do is you place a pain point in the game and i can solve the pain point with the build decision and what's going to happen if I grab a Warmind cell and I chuck it at this guy and all this armor comes falling off of him and we're like, whoa, look at that. That was so much faster. It's just like the guillotine on top of oppressive darkness. You're going to be like, you're going to attach that sense of power and problem solving to yourself and the decision that you made. You went in and you built for that right now. Right now, it's like everybody's kind of doing the same thing. Do everything you can to maximize abilities and super and written recovery and just face tank. You know, it's just so flattened out. It's super flattened out. It's kind of like if you play through a Call of Duty campaign and I play through a Call of Duty campaign, we generally feel and experience the same thing. We get funneled through corridors, alleys, it's almost on rails. We're shooting very predictable pop and shot enemies. There'll be a driving, you know, level that you hate where you're trying to get away and you keep getting shot or you know, the guy keeps crashing the car or whatever. And then there'll be another one where again, you're moving through a building and you just boom 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 boom. So, the spectrum of experience think of it like a cor- like like an accordion you know that 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 instrument the spectrum of experience can be expand that accordion where you can have any kind of a different experience in that campaign well the accordion is really narrow in those types of games it's like your experience in the campaign and my experience are not that vastly different if you recorded your gameplay and i recorded my gameplay and we watched them back a month later it'd be really hard for me to be like oh this is my gameplay it would be it would be tough to tell because we're basically doing the same thing you're going through and shooting you know dumb mobs of enemies that come running out and pop out of cover blah 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 
Grandmaster Nightfalls are falling into a similar vein. If I recorded my gameplay and somebody else's gameplay and we watched them a month or two from now, if we go in with very similar builds and strategies, yeah, we'd probably be like, well, I can't really tell whose is whose. Now, obviously, if you look at our loadouts in our, our shader color selections and our armor selections, it might be a little bit easier. But if you just look at the gameplay itself, it'd be really difficult because everybody's essentially doing the same thing. Now, somebody might say, but Lono, in your system, wouldn't that happen anyway? People would essentially run warmind cells and throw warmind cells to bust off the armor. Yep, they would. However, there would be a greater sense of pride and personal attachment to those decisions because your loadout, your decisions, and your combat choices resulted in a greater efficiency. Do you want to know why people remember the Axis fight? In its vivid plate slamming, triple cannon or double cannon. Why is that so vivid? Because your loadout choice and your movement and your combat choice resulted in greater efficiency. So your sense of power and your sense of strength and finesse, it's more directly tied to you. Now, go to Oryx. Where where are the most memorable Oryx memories in your bre- in your bank? Right? You go and you you go back into your memory bank of like, oh, what were the best Oryx memories? They were low-handed Oryxes. Why? Because it suddenly got intense. You had to make changes. You had to shuffle people around. A normal Oryx victory wasn't memorable. Why? Everybody did the same thing. Stand in your plate. Shoot your ogre. Kill your light in your night. Wash, rinse, repeat. Four times detonate. Let's go home. There wasn't a lot of personal touch. There wasn't a lot of, I'm going to do this, I'm going to stand here, I'm going to blah, blah, blah. The most the most memorable Oryx kills were ones where if, if, it, if it went poorly and you had to kind of clutch up, right? I simply don't get it. What Lono is describing is literally what my team does. We query what kind of builds we are running as far as Warmind cells, faction mods, or charged with light. Right. But there's no real build incentive to do that, Frosty. If you go into Grandmaster Nightfalls, there is not a strong modifier or efficiency build motivation to do that. You're doing it on your own accord, but the game's not motivating it. They're not creating a pain point that is uniquely solved by you doing that. You're not. Other people can run a build that doesn't do what you're doing, and they're arguably just as efficient as you are, if not maybe more efficient, because Warmind Cell builds aren't really... They're not really your your mainstay go-to for, for Grandmaster Nightfalls. I think, I think some of what you're missing in what I'm saying is that Bungie would literally create the modifier or the mechanic that would motivate you to try that build because your key fits that lock. It's the most efficient. Should they motivate or force us to use those? That's why I've been saying motivate. I don't want it to be a requirement. I want it to be like, you didn't have to slam the plates at Axis, but it certainly made you more efficient. Right? You didn't have to do that. Slamming the plates was optional. Now, when challenge mode came around, sure, but slamming the plates led to a greater sense of power. It gave you it gave you more uh, damage on the on the boss. And so, no, you don't have to run this build. These new seasonal mods spawn these um, these 
SIVA overcharges. And the SIVA overcharges electrify this new armored combatant, and their armor uh, stays electrified for so many seconds, and they take more damage, right? You don't have to do that, but you'd be like, why wouldn't we? Look how much more efficient this is. It would be motivating you and incentivizing you to do it, and you would attach your efficiency. Oh, look how look how great of a job we did. Your system will end up forcing players to use those where Bungie creates a lock in the content and only seasonal mods are the keys. See, but you're no, you're making it too rigid. You don't have to do what I'm saying. You would simply say, that's a really, really strong build. I didn't have to run Ariana's Vow and Wendigo and and we didn't have to run double Izanagi's in the Master Nightmare Hunt time trials. Thanks, Mama. Um, we didn't have to do that, but it certainly seemed to fit the lock really well. So, I'm not saying... You're, you're taking an example and you're making something narrow out of it. So take my example and say, that's not the only way to do that. It's already like that? No, it's not! There's not a single modifier, there's not a single motivator in Grandmaster Nightfalls that funnels you toward a particular build. There's nothing in there. There is no incentive to run any build over another. There isn't. All the modifiers are negative. You're not seeing the forest for the trees here. If they were to motivate you towards certain builds and certain seasonal experimentation, that does two things. It's deepening the end game to create a greater sense of need for experimentation and build crafting leading to increased efficiency. And it keeps the end game fresh. Because Endgame end game is like, oh, it's not always the same meta for an entire year. One season has these mods, they're really strong. The next season, the modifiers, you're going to want to run these mods. They're a little bit, they're, they're better, stronger, or whatever. There's new pain points. The builds are the incentives. I don't think you understand what I'm saying. Builds equals in- incentives is not a statement that I think is sensible. What do you mean the builds are the incentives? That's not an incentive. Right? That's not an incentive. Experimentation and build crafting in and of itself is not an incentive. An incentive is if you do this, you get this. That's incentive. Incentivization is if you come into this content, there are modifiers or loot rewards or efficiency ratings that if you achieve, you will be rewarded. What you're describing is in the game and basically you're telling me that I have to run war mind cells if I want to be successful. If you're going to continue to misrepresent my points, there's no reason to interact with me. I have shot that down three times now. So for the third time, again, pay attention very closely so you don't type the same sentence again. It gets a little exhausting. I already shot down that false summary of what I've said. You would not have to run it there would be optional builds to lean into that would tap into modifiers i've not once said it would be a requirement i've not once said it would be the only viable build it would be an option that is incentivized by modifiers for you to feel a greater sense of power in the end game that is tied to your build you're not forced to do it it's not curated and it's not the only option there would be a variety of incentives and modifiers to try different builds so you can take your false summary of my position and stop putting that in chat because I'm not saying that I've not once said it would be a requirement 
It would end up being the only option, not an option. No, again, you're really struggling to grapple with what I'm saying and understand what I'm saying. I will say it again now for the fifth time. There would be multiple options and multiple modifiers that could be built into to try to see which is your preference. Do you understand what I just said? Do you understand the word multiple? Do you understand that there would be multiple builds, multiple modifiers, multiple choices? I've not once said there would only be one. You're again, you're misrepresenting my position. If you're going to put a variety of modifiers that can be built into, there would not be the only option. That's not true. You keep misrepresenting what I'm saying. You, you're getting an idea in your head that, oh, Warmind Cells would be the best build. I use that as an example. There'd be a variety of build options that would be strong. As an example, when we went into Master Nightmare Hunts, there were a variety of options for anti-barrier. I happen to think Ariana's Vow was the best choice. So, if they started adding seasonal modifiers to Grandmaster Nightfall, there would be multiple combinations of the seasonal modifiers to feel powerful. You see, you're like, oh, but Warmind Cells, you're going to narrow us down. That's the only thing. I was just using that as an example. There's a, Look look how many different Warmind Cell and Charge with Light builds there are. Look how many different ones there are. In the same vein, the Ariana's Vow had multiple options as far as it wasn't the only anti-barrier option that I could opt to use. So... I ended up thinking Ariana's Vow was the best. My teammates opted for a different build. I thought Wendigo was the best heavy. Other people went with different heavies. I used Grandmaster Nightfalls having an, a modifier for Warmind Cells as an example, and you guys you guys dug in on that, and you're like, oh, but that'll be the only build. That'll be the only build. No, 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 no. You're, you're completely misunderstanding what I was trying to drive at. I was trying to drive at using modifiers and build crafting to come together in a happy marriage where there are pain points in the game that I can mitigate with build decisions and unique choices that ends up making me feel strong so we're not all just going in and face tanking. Listen, you guys do this every time this debate comes up. There's bleeding hearts for Grandmaster Nightfall and you're like, no, 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 it's fine. It's good content, it comes from the Delta, and there's a lot of different build options. You have to see how not true that is. By and large, Grandmaster Nightfall build choices are super samey. Oh, but we play aggressive, and I know Darksider was like, I run this build with Liar's Handshake, and I'm taking out champions right away. You, that's so that's so narrow and so anecdotal. By and large, most people respond to the high delta and the 12 negative modifiers the same way. They're hiding, they're tanking, they're they're using well of radiance and bubbles. I, th- there's always this there's always this exaggerated sen- sense of like strength and unique builds that people have for Grandmaster Nightfalls. Like, I want to see these videos from these people that are like, no, we play aggressive, we run up, we don't hide, we burn through, and it's nothing, it's a breeze. I want to I want to see the gameplay footage of this because I watch really adept players really experienced players and streamers and youtubers just struggle bus and lean into face tank and really really high survivable builds now sure not all nightfalls are created equal there could be some that you go into and you just blitz it with certain aggressive builds some of them are insane and 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 way harder because of how the rooms are set up 
Every time this subject comes up, I can't fathom looking at Grandmaster Nightfalls and not asking for more nuance and depth and build crafting options, being like, no, they're fine how they are now. It blows my mind that anybody can look at Grandmasters and be like, no, they're fine, don't mess with them. It, it, it's, 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 it's crazy to me. <laughs> it's crazy to me. Even if you like them and you've had a good time, you have to admit, they're super rough around the edges. They have not landed. They're really ham-fisted. There's no... There is no nuance. They're fine for what they are, which is a nightfall. But don't let Bungie get away with the punt. Ask for more. That's like saying raids are fine in their current state. No, they're not. No, they're not. I want a hard mode. I want better loot. Are you kidding me? Don't let them get away with it. It's half cocked. Uh-uh. Absolutely not. Look at Corrupted Grandmaster Nightfall. The only reason it was so hard is because there was no cover and everything one-shots you. I'd rather ask for something completely different from a Nightfall. Well, see, but now we're having a different discussion, Right? Now we're having a different discussion. Asking for something different from Grandmaster Nightfall and and like disputing my points by acting like Grandmaster Nightfall is fine. These are two different arguments. Either Grandmaster Nightfalls are fine or they need to be retooled and reworked. If you think my solution is not as good, that's fine. Dismantle my solution. Don't do it juxtaposed to current Grandmasters as if this current Grandmasters are achieving greatness. Because they're not. That's my main point. If you think my solution is bad, that's fine. You can suggest your own solution. I happen to think that modifiers motivating build choices is just such a great balance. It's not required. It's optional. And when you do it, you feel really strong. You didn't have to slam the plates in Axis. But when a team successfully pulled off plate slamming, you felt pretty dadgum awesome. You didn't have to do it. It was totally optional. So if there were build choices that leaned into positive modifiers in a Grandmaster Nightfall that made you feel awesome and strong, that's, I think, a good power fantasy for endgame. How'd you guys beat that so fast? Dude, we experimented for an entire day. These positive modifiers have a lot of different options. This guy tried this build. We didn't like it that much. We're trying a different one now. Like, and I know you're saying, oh, that exists now. That exists now. It's really narrow, dude. That accordion's really clamped down tight. There's not a lot of different choices for these endgame pieces of content. These grandmasters. I feel that when I've completed every Grandmaster and you haven't completed one, you're talking in hypotheticals about builds and whatnot, and when I say different builds make a big impact, it gets shot down. Because I've watched streams, I've watched completion guides, I've watched people do it. I'm not shooting down that there are other builds. What I'm saying is, the accordion is super narrow right now. I want to open up that accordion. You can't invalidate my position by being like, oh, you haven't run one. I can watch high-level players play it all day long. That's a very small subset of players. So are you. So I guess we're at an impasse. You and your friends are a small subset. Streamers and YouTubes are a small subset. I want more from endgame content than bludgeoning the player with pain. Grandmasters are just a blunt instrument. They are. And every time this comes up, there's just a handful of people that are bleeding hearts for it because I worry, I worry you like how ridiculous it is because you know not too many people go in there 
the thing is builds negate the pain every video i've watched it, it there, there there are there are not there are not these super vibrant options they're not all the streams uh no is div izzy div izzy because it works it's such it's such a transaction of pain i would prefer something like mini dungeons or more dungeons than grandmasters but how grandmasters work are fine as they are because looking at bungie's twab that was released info about grandmasters they don't feel like they were made for endgame content but something to only do once and i see them as that you do it once and no more i would rather have more dungeon strikes and nightfalls right but i'm looking at the fact that they want to reinvigorate core content and it's not reasonable to ask for many dungeons every season i'm trying to say like how do you get capital out of existing funnels there's a bunch of nightfalls there's a bunch of build options we can make a deal here, right? We can make a deal here. I have to move on. We're, we're only four questions in. <laughs> Nagi. If Bungie's released a new endgame activity in the fall DLC and added content to the activity over the following seasons, do you think that would feel more substantive and complete than adding a new activity every season? This is certainly a different option they can take with year four because seasonal content is not expiring every three months, right? Like, every three months, a brand new thing? Are we going to really achieve a better rhythm if we're still doing the same thing? Yep, we squeeze everything we could out of that content. Boom, new season. Let's do it again. Squeeze everything we could out of it. Is it going to do the content any good to stick around for a year if we still essentially, in effect, we retire the content? Does that make sense? If Sundial would have stuck around for an entire year, but we could squeeze it dry for three months, and as the season ended, it was set off, it was like sent off with this crescendo of generosity, we would, in effect, we would have, we would have sunset Sundial. Oh, it's still in the game, but nobody really plays it anymore. We squeezed it dry for three months. Now, Worthy was really bad, so maybe we would have gone back in Worthy. By the time summer rolls around, people have been like, I'm done with that content. So I think what you're saying is a great option. I've actually argued this for raids. Have a raid NPC, add to the raid with challenges, new loot drops, updated things, updated things for you to do in the raid every season. So the raid's not gone, essentially, in your mind. It's not gone after three months. So if there's seasonal content that in effect is getting retired by the community every three months because, oh, this is over. Here's the new, right? Well, that's over. Here's the new thing. Let's go do the new thing. I think they're going to have to kind of like balance that to where maybe do what you're saying so they kind of enhance and expand the existing seasonal content and maybe they do add something new. You get the Gambit Prime problem. If the activity is not well received, the year could be really bad. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Because you're like what? but again, we would all backfall then. If, if If the sundial would have stuck around for a year, what would we have done? We would have gotten in Season of the Worthy and been like, screw this, I'm going back to Sundial. There's a couple roles I still didn't get. You know, maybe. <laughs> it was super generous. So, I would, I, would just, I would just continue to say they have to be really, really careful about content longevity. I wish Challenge came from uh, end strike bosses like Malak and less from Thrallways and Shield Champion spam. 
Well, I think if you're going to do anything with strikes and nightfalls going forward, you have to retool some of the fights in some of the rooms. They're not built to be endgame content. They're built to be strikes. They built some of these strikes four and five years ago when they were building, you know, Destiny 2 landed in 2017. So four years ago, three and four years ago, they were designing some of these strikes. And they didn't have Grandmaster Nightfalls in their mind at that time. So the, the, the shape of the room, size of the room, the abundance of cover or the lack of cover, how many ads are there, how fast they spam you, what their aggro limitations are, none of that stuff was set up for Grandmaster Nightfall. <laughs> and they slap it on, like, yeah, here's 12 negative modifiers and a delta, have fun. And you're like, there's nowhere to hide in this room, we're getting one shot. Darksider. Seasons feel great way to maintain player engagement and with the seasonal activities lasting for a year starting in year four, do you think this will create grinds not possible uh, to finish within one season? We Yeah, we just touched on there's, there's a tension here, isn't there? Because if they want to elongate the grind because the content lasts for a year, are you going to wear out the mid lane casual players? This is why I said I think hard mode and a hierarchy of loot would be good for the seasonal content. You combine that with Nagi's feedback, as in you could enhance and expand the seasonal content season to season. So you're not like, oh, it's going to take me an entire year to grind for this. No, it just shows up in another season. You're like, oh, cool. There's a new reason to go into that content. New loot, new update, new whatever. Imagine that we got in a season of Worthy and the Sundial had been updated with with some new stuff you know oh I'm gonna go back into Sundial there's some new weapons but there's a definite tension here because like I think Darksiders getting at it if you're gonna try and stretch out Sundial's relevancy for 12 months a casual player is gonna be like dude this is a joke I can't get anything to drop they lowered the drop rate generosity they lowered the player intentionality so that this thing could last for a year you're taking enough dough for a pizza and you're trying to spread it across a football field that's not gonna work so they have to they oh yo what's good kill a cheesecake they have to think that through they have to think that through because if because if not all you're gonna end up with is a a a very juxtaposed experience year three was all about the casuals in the mid lanes and then year four will be all about will be all about the hardcore players it'll be too it'll be too stretched and again the reason difficulty spectrum lands this plane so well it doesn't matter it doesn't matter it doesn't matter if the the normal mode is super generous and lots of player agency why because it's literally (laughs) it's literally not where the best loot is you see what I'm saying you've got this idea of yeah it's totally fine it's totally fine to be super generous with the trials loot and the uh, the new seasonal loot. Why? Well, it's just normal. The better versions, the adept versions are up here, where maybe the drop rate's a little bit lower. Maybe the grind is a little bit longer. Maybe that grind is extended season to season. Maybe they add a couple new guns in the hard mode. Casuals feel like, hey, I don't really care, dude. I'm not going for that adept stuff. I'm just playing for fun. I'm happy just to get the loot down here. If you create loot hierarchy and difficulty spectrum, then you can adjust. Now, all of a sudden, you have an individual knob you can turn. Well, two. 
of loot generosity and intentionality and you can tweak those knobs for hard mode to 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 be more in line with the hardcore players um to be more in tune with the hardcore players player habits if i'm playing ouch i hit my elbow i'm getting too animated if i play for six hours a day you can adjust the rhythm of generosity and intentionality in hard mode around my playstyle. why because that's who you're building the content for it's like this guy's really really fast and has insane amounts of endurance we can increase the speed and the incline on this treadmill why he's built for it but if you do that to the guy over here that just kind of runs casually in his neighborhood every morning he's gonna gas off and fall down and be like that's not set to my speed so they can adjust the speed and, and the required grind in a hard mode because they know the people going in there tend to play more and then the frequency of reward and generosity and agency can be turned up a lot more on normal because who the frick cares it's the normal mode it's for the casuals it's the normal trials gear it's for the casuals spectrum of difficulty and loot hierarchy is like it's such a beautiful magic wand to wave over your game it gives you a whole lot more freedom to keep players engaged and to keep people interested along their I play this many hours, I play this many hours, and they both feel they're getting the appropriate amount of rewards for their time put in. Some people are unreasonable. You know, if you're only going to play for two or three hours a week, you can't expect to get the best gear. But most people that play two or three hours a week are going to be happy to be like, this new content's cool. I got some of the new dope weapons. I'm a happy camper. $10 every couple of months for this experience. I'm good to go. Necro says, Sorry if you've touched on this with Darksiders, but I wanted to bounce off his question. Pursuit weapons that improve over seasons. The gun starts off in its base form, and it would change season to season. Do you think longer-term goals would be a good idea? Not with sunsetting, no. I think your idea sounds cool in principle, but it wouldn't, it wouldn't, uh, it wouldn't line up with sunsetting. So, you'd have to give me an increased sunset level at the end. If it if it takes me three seasons to, to um, get it out of its base form, so I get the gun in Beyond Light, and it's finished and out of its base form in the summer, well, you better give me another year of sunsetting, because if not, I just got the gun all the way finished, and it's got three months. <laughs> Do you see the flaw there? Like, it's not that the idea is bad, it's that sunsetting has the potential to come in and just wrecking ball this idea. Because people be like, wait a minute (laughs) let me get this straight it's gonna take me nine months to get the gun done quote unquote done but then it gets sunset three months later when it's completed you'll have a year okay okay well then your idea let's let's imagine somebody doing this the only reason i think this idea sounds slightly odd with respect to destiny is would this be the only weapons like this and why are raid weapons like this? Are trials weapons like this? Um, so there's these random kind of standout weapons that you you spend a year with to build. I don't know. I I smell something, and it smells like it smells like crafting. It smells like you're trying to sneak crafting in, knowing you, Necro. <laughs> Why am I doing this with one particular weapon? If I'm not doing it with any other weapon in the game. What exactly are we doing here? What, what, why are we creating a new classification of weapon? 
Similar to Final Fantasy, there's a longer-term weapon grind versus the shortcuts. Well, yeah, I just... This is why this feels odd. So, when I when I get rid of the sunsetting problem, as you said, oh, well, when you finish the weapon, you get 12 months. I'm still like... Uh, one weapon that I spend all this time with? Number one, are casuals even going to attempt it? Number two... It would just feel weird to me. It would feel really odd to me. So I'm going to grind for weapons, get the roll that I want, you know, in the raid. Yo, Raymond Kastner, thank you so much for clicking the join button. Seven new members today, clicking the join button to pay and get the emotes and perks in Discord. If you guys haven't already done so, click subscribe and the bell button. That is free. The join button supports me directly and gets your perks uh, in the stream chat and Discord. Um, this feels, I'm trying to think of what this feels like. It's, I, it, it's, it's like I'm going on a, on a hiking trip and I have all these items that are reasonably sized and of reasonable weight. And you're being like, oh, and one more thing, put this bowling ball in your bag. And you're like, why? Well, when you're all done with hiking and you come down the hill on the other side, there's a bowling alley, and you'll be ready to bowl. I'd be like, I don't want to do that. Why do I want to? I'm not going to carry this bowling ball all the way. Why? It feels so out of place, and so heavy, and so cumbersome. Having one weapon in your loadout that is essentially not done or complete for 9 to 12 months feels like a bowling ball. Like, why am I carrying this around? It doesn't line up with the agility and the rhythm of reward in the entire rest of the game. It's just kind of out of left field. Like, you're trying to bring in that slow progression MMO feel, and it's like, yeah, but that's, that's that doesn't line up with Destiny's content rhythm. Destiny's meant to be action MMO with seasonal updates, and you're trying to bring in MMO that gives you a grind that in and of itself lasts for a year. It's like, uh, they're not really setting the game up that way. It feels like turning the entire game into a Husk of the Pit Necrochasm progression, and it sounds awful. Well, he just put this idea forth, uh, forward for the pursuit weapons. Just the pursuit weapons. So they would feel really anomalous and out of place. Let me, let me throw it at you another way, Necro. If I have to spend three seasons lugging this stupid weapon around and doing stuff with it just to get it to max power in the summer, man, I gotta tell you, I'm gonna get pretty dadgum annoyed. I'm gonna get pretty annoyed. You gotta freaking lug this thing in here. Stupid weapon. Not even full power yet. Weaker than anything else I could use right now. Like, it would, I don't know. It would be like a bowling ball. I'm just dragging this with me. Eventually I'll get to use it, but for now, it's just a nuisance. It's just an annoyance. So. It feel that's why it feels out of place. It, fe- it feels it feels like you're yanking something from another game that's set up for that game's rhythm of grind and commitment, and that that game probably has lots of other commitments and grinds and timings that are that are basically uh, in line with that. It's like that's that game's content rhythm. Let's flip this around. Going to game like Final Fantasy and being like, "Hey, Final Fantasy, I expect." 
every three months new new uh new content loops and new and new weapons and i expect to be able to get pretty good versions of those weapons within about a month of grind well that game might say well that doesn't really fit our content rhythm structure that just sounds like you're trying to ham fist destiny's content rhythm structure into final fantasy you, you, you see, you're trying to take one piece that's cool in FF, and you're like trying to bring it over here, and it's like mm, we don't have the loot depth and the loot like longevity and grind to really support a year long weapon grind it could work, just because something can work doesn't mean it's going to function well, you could conceivably, you know, run your lawnmower on gasoline that you diluted with water to make the gas last longer. It doesn't mean it's good for the. It doesn't mean it's good for the lawnmower. It could work, sure, functionally, but it could damage. Like when you use something against what its natural intention is, sure, it could work. Sure, you could chop a tree down with the machete, but you're going to blunt the blade and it's going to take forever. Just because it functionally works doesn't mean it's the right choice. What in the system can be altered for it to function well? I don't know, homie. The weapon would have to be a good weapon in the present. If it's not a good weapon in the present, why am I going to want to use it for literally a year? For the promise and like, the, oh, it'll be good in nine months. I'd be like, well, I don't what? And then, if it is good for those nine months, what's the difference between good and great? How big is that chasm? It better be pretty big, and maybe it could be too big. You see what I'm saying? I don't know. Pursuit weapons are supposed to be a seasonal grind where it's like, here's something dope. You can grind for it in PvE or PvP. It's a hot weapon. Done. Better analogy would be vegetable oil in the engine. Yeah, there's there's plenty of things you can do that would technically work, but it wouldn't function in the natural way that the game has been built. It doesn't have to be amazing. I just think you're missing the point. The point is, is that if I'm going to spend a freaking a, a, a nine month period, like I'm birthing a baby, I'm going to spend nine months. But if I'm going to spend that amount of time, it better be worth it. You just took me through a longer loot grind than any has ever existed in Destiny before. It better be worth it. Look how irritated people got with just like the Anarchy. Anarchy is an amazing, one of the best exotics ever made in Destiny. It's great. And people were furious at how long it took to get. And you think they're going to sign up for a nine-month grind for a pursuit weapon? I don't know about that. What I see is this is sort of a speed bump in Q&As that the system isn't designed for it. Perhaps the design philosophy is halting the game from evolving or or perhaps you're trying to take the game in a direction it's not supposed to go. You're trying to turn a Pikachu into a Bulbasaur. It doesn't work. Its evolutionary track is going in this way and you're wanting to have entire systems redesigned so we can make it Final Fantasy and that's why it doesn't work. When you see the evolution of a Pokemon, most of them you can see, oh, okay, I see, it went from Charmander to Charmeleon to Charizard, and it all, it maintains its look and its identity. Now some, now some Pokemon, like, completely change their look and appearance, right? Not with that attitude. I got news for you. I, I really hate to break it to you. You aren't Bungie or Luke Smith, so constantly setting out a vision for the game to go the direction you want it is somewhat fruitless. They are not going to spend the next couple of years turning this game into Final Fantasy. The groundwork's not laid for it, the systems isn't laid for it, and the community isn't set up for it. You're going to... Do you expect this community to suddenly accept 
an evolution into Final Fantasy? I don't I don't I don't think so. Destiny has too much investment grind. We need more loot grind. Yeah, we do a lot of investment grind anyway, whether it's the the, the obelisks or the bunkers. I just want Final Fantasy's endgame, not the whole game. I want content that drops unique gear that's super hard to get. And I think you can get that with some of the things I've outlined with give us hard versions of dungeons and raids with unique loot, give us a death loot and trials, and you've got your you've got your answer. As I said a little bit ago, the minute you create a hard mode, now you have its own like your own dials can be turned up there. Make the loot a little bit more rare, make the intentionality a little bit lower. It's okay if it's super easy to get all the sundial gear. If there's a hard mode sundial with cooler stuff, stronger stuff, and up here you can tune those dials more individually because the people that go up there tend to play more and you're 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 really crafting it around their play habits. We're too we're too far down the line for you to be like, nope, I really think this Charmillion should turn into, you know, a Mewtwo. And it's like, what? No, it can't. It's going to become a Charizard. It's still going to look like Charmander and Charmillion. It's still going to look like its source and where it came from, but we want it to get a little bit bigger and a little bit stronger and a little bit cooler, but it's still going to be the same essential Pokemon. It's still going to be Destiny. I don't think we know the direction D2 is heading with Luke Smith. And the massive vagueness Bungie provides, I bet no one beside Luke knows where D2 is heading. Oh, I don't know. I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that. I think he's laid out a very clear picture of where they'd like to go. Seasonal delivery, no droughts, reinvigoration of existing content, and, and, and one where both casuals and aspirational characters are happy. Players are happy. I don't know. I think I think we've gotten enough enough breadcrumbs and tea leaves to know this game is not going to become Final Fantasy I just don't think so I, I, they haven't built they haven't built a game or a community that would latch on to that level of grind and commitment I simply don't think so unless it was purely optional at the top it's pretty vague definition of the future and the direction I don't think it's as vague as you're making it I also don't think it's vague enough to allow for a Final Fantasy style evolution I just don't think so. It's too risky. This this long, this long in the life in the life of the game, I can't see them completely jumping train tracks that sharply to create those types of grinds and those types of investment pathways. Everything's been going more towards a seasonal injection of of stuff to do every couple of months, not a year-long grind for a weapon. I mean, look at how they've pivoted on exotics and you have your answer. Look at how they pivoted on exotics. Exotic drop rate protection in raids. So your chances go up every time you don't get one. Does that sound like they want to go down the road of a year-long weapon grind? You know that infusion infusion gets capped after 12 months. Does that sound like a game that's going to make you wait a year to get a weapon? I don't think so. They're not setting up any signpost to tell me we're going to get a game that takes a year to get a weapon or a grind or something done. Sunsetting is capped after a year and they made exotics drop more often if you don't get them to help you not go too long before you get a weapon. I feel some big and radical changes will come in the future, either in Beyond Light or the Witch Queen. 
I mean, I certainly think there'll be big and radical changes, but this entire argument started because we have somebody suggesting have a weapon be a, 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 a 9 to 12 month grind, and I'm saying that doesn't jive with any of the content rhythms. It doesn't jive with sunsetting, it doesn't jive with the, the exotic drop rate protections they put into raids, it doesn't jive with any of the systems and, th- and, and rhythms they've been setting up for this past year, and anything they've been talking about year 4 doesn't give me the indication they're building a game to support that level of grind. It's too long. So. We gotta move on. Bradley, with seasons keeping players engaged all year, every few months, would it be a good idea for Bungie to have a season of renewal to refresh content? We already kind of had a version of this question with the, could we have a season of health uh, where they fix a lot of things? Um, Example, playlist activity, exclusive gear. I think you're going to actually get some of this. Luke Smith seemed to indicate that in year four, what they want to do is they want to create uh, reinvigorated core content. That Strikes, that's Crucible, that's probably Nightfalls, maybe Gambit. Those are your core activities that in this case, like you're saying, it would be like a renewal of like refreshing stuff, making it better. It remains to be seen how they're going to do that because I don't think they've reinvigorated Strikes. Nightfalls are not a reinvigoration. They've done almost nothing with Crucible and they've done literally nothing with Gambit. So, uh, Onalu, uh, with seasons offering tiers of payment for unlocking Eververse into the wild, I would easily pay $20 if I could get the entire Eververse earnable in game. Not a question, but the season pass needs to be prestigeable. I would love to see it prestigeable before the season pass launched. I really thought an Eververse book that you could purchase for $20 that would be full of challenges and things you had to do to get all the items from the Eververse I feel like that would sell like hotcakes it would the question is would then Bungie make less money if you knew you could spend $20 and get every dadgum thing in the Eververse maybe there's a couple of things that they don't let you get you know they're silver only or whatever it would potentially hurt their bottom line They've sold a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. They have sold a lot of things uh, in the Eververse. And uh, I always try to buy all the shaders. I miss this one. You know, and so if you could spend like a $20 thing and just grind the frick out of it. You know, I, I just, I would worry. I would worry that it would end up, you know, being something that they wouldn't want to do because they would lose money on the deal. They, the Eververse is making them a lot of money right now. And I know a lot of people that are whales that spend a lot of money in the Eververse. I know a lot of those people would buy that book for $20 and then Bungie would make less money on them. They'd make less money on the whales. So the less money they make on the whales, would they make it up from the people that are like, well, I've never spent a dime in the Eververse, but man, I'll, I'll buy a $20 book to grind all season. Uh, you'd have to do some market research and see are you going to get, you know, a million people to do the $20 who never spend a dime in the Eververse that's a lot of freaking money that's a lot of people that are like, well I have never bought silver, but if I can get $20 and get guaranteed items as long as I play but again, I think the season pass muddies that because you're already spending $10 for what amounts to a lot of cosmetic items so it's not going to happen I don't think uh, Rain the Dark. 
Lono, with talking about seasonal format, I found that the endgame aspect to be kind of lacking, but the world changing has been very well executed. Could Bungie potentially improve by making a season purely for endgame? No, I think this is this is uh, ultimately this could be a bad idea from a business standpoint. Uh, because so many of your $10 purchasers are casual and mid lane, and the minute they feel starved, you would have like a you know potential decrease in sales. They would feel like they're kind of left out of the cold. They banked on the on the on the sure horse, right? They put their chips on the table and they they bank they bet they backed the right horse because you're gonna play anyway as a hardcore player. Casuals and mid lanes are not a guaranteed constant. They'll get burned out and annoyed and they'll quit. Their loyalty's not as strong as enduring as a hardcore player. So to survive year three, I think Bungie they backed the sure thing. And so if you did an entire season just for endgame, dungeons and grandmasters and hard this and hard that, you would run the risk of stiff arming the bigger portion of the community. That's why spectrum and difficult that's why difficulty spectrum and hierarchy of loot is so important. Because you don't starve one to feed the other. I'm not robbing Peter to pay Paul anymore. I'm paying both of them. They're both getting an equal wage according to their work. According to their labor, they're earning their wage. As opposed to, well, we're going to have to give this guy the $10, and that means we're going to take $10 from you. Well, now this guy's like, I don't have any money. What do you mean? What am I supposed to do? So, you know, players would come back and be like, dude, there's nothing for me. This is all built for hardcore endgame grinders. That's why leveling as an entrance point is so stupid if it's slow and painful because everybody has to do it. It's a smack in the face. Everybody doesn't have to run a dungeon. Everybody doesn't have to run grandmasters or raids. Those are there for the hardcore players. You never want to make your entrance point a a two by four to the face of pain. Wham! Yeah, you're going to take a couple weeks to level up. What? Why? Oh, it's RNG based. What? Why? Like, you got to smooth those edges of entrance. Eknor. Do you think any activity should level you up in seasons without any hard cap if power cap's going to be every three months? Kind of sucks playing two to three hours of new content and back to old milestones. This is a well-timed question with what I just said. You know, I think think you've, you've got to smooth out the entrance point. You have to. If we're leveling every every couple of months for first um, sunsetting, leveling needs to be completely streamlined and automatic. I've got a whole video on it. It just it's it cannot be a barrier. Every three months, you're gonna burn people out, especially if they're creating endgame difficulty spectrum that people want to dive into. You're gonna have that dungeon effect. the 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 prophecy dungeon really really woke people up to the fact that leveling sucks. They were like, no, leveling's fine, infusion's fine. And then they experienced it after taking a break, and they're like, yeah, this is terrible. I want to play the Prophecy Dungeon, and I got to walk through a mountain of RNG and crap that I don't want to walk through. Sushi says, I think the issue is that the gear doesn't look cool enough for casual players to want to learn raids or try harder. If you make the loot extra cool, people will run it regardless of skill. You'd be surprised how much transmog will make a casual a no-life. This is exa- that's, that's a good point, Sushi, because if you have a normal and a hard mode, and the hard mode stuff is better, cooler, shinier, that's how you get casuals into hardcore. That's how you get a casual turned into a hardcore. 
and Avenger just wrote War and Peace in the Discord. Um, you know, if 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 you're gonna get anybody to transcend and change their position, this is why. This is why. I think it was Soldier on Music who who penned the phrase so well. Destiny one turned casuals into hardcores, and Destiny two turned hardcores into casuals. A difficulty spectrum with loot hierarchy is how you get people to say, you know what, I am, uh, I want to go after that. It's a little bit harder, a little bit more challenging, maybe a little bit out of my wheelhouse, but it's cool and I want it. LL Brood. Would you be okay at Bungie Resorts to three seasons a year? I believe it would give them more time and bandwidth to create new and interesting content. We've had this debate a lot. I don't think chopping one season helps that much. But, but, if seasons were suddenly four months instead of three months, you might not have Season of the Worthy and Season of the Drifter anymore. I'm willing to concede that point. If you could take the amount of bandwidth and content that went in the dri- that went in the season of the worthy and you slice half of it and you add it to this season and you slice the other half and you shove it into dawn suddenly you have an expansion four months later a season four months later a season and then an expansion suddenly the seasons that follow the expansion could be maybe a little bit more dense a little bit more substantive because and it wouldn't be night and day but I do wonder if they switch to every four months they might get okay we no longer have these these blemishes of season of the worthy and season of the drifter that doesn't happen anymore it's almost like they're they're like they're building a treehouse and they're building it so fast every single time the middle of the treehouse gets the weakest amount of wood it ends up with the weakest amount because you're just you're going at a rhythm where one season gets the week gets the short end of the stick and it typically ends up being the spring. So I I that I've always been kind of against this. I'm like I, the analogy I always used is you're just slicing a pizza into into eight pieces instead of 12 pieces. It's the same amount of pizza. However, we're resulting in really, really thin slices in the spring, every spring. And then like winter and summer are, are typically better and a little bit more weighty. So, so maybe, you know, again, to use the analogy, if you're cutting that pizza super, super fast into 12 pieces, yeah, it's the same amount of pizza, but if four of the pieces are really small because you went too fast, they're like thin and other pieces are bigger, they're not evenly distributed, it might be better to go a little bit slower cut it into eight slices and they're eight even slices so three seasons the seasons that are not attached to an expansion could be more evenly distributed with respect to content and density and substance so that you don't end up with this thin season hanging in the middle every time steam crow what would you think if rather than different theme seasons bungie drip fed entire expansions allowing the time to produce multiple raids dungeon strikes a year sorry for the length that's fine um i think there's a presumption in this question that's tough to substantiate given how often we get dungeons and raids right Uh, a bit of elaboration by drip fed perhaps make expansion content dripped each month over the expansion rather than a three month length seasons as long as the expansion's beefy enough yeah but this doesn't necessarily mean we could get more raids dungeons and strikes it doesn't 
Just because they slow down how often we get it doesn't suddenly mean they can create more. Do you see? If we go with the pizza analogy, I only have so many ovens and I only have so many people back in the kitchen. Just because I bring out the pizza slower to keep you to give you a sense of like oh we're 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 always having something to eat on the table it's just coming out slower that doesn't mean back in the kitchen i can make more i still have a limited number of ovens and i still have a limited number of people bungie still has a rhythm that they can only create so much stuff so I do think, though, in year four, we might start seeing a, 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 a breaking of this idea that everything happens in the first month of the season. They're super front heavy. They're super, like, oh, everything, boom, right in the first month. Why? It only lasts for three months. We got to get all this stuff set up and running to get people the maximum amount of time to chase it. Well, if seasonal content's lasting for a year, if seasonal content's lasting for a year, they might not have to go so front heavy. They might be able to to drip it out and to, and to pick it take it slower or to say yeah well the seasonal content landed in uh, December but uh, we're not going to add these new guns or this new mode until January well they didn't do that in year three because they knew the content was expiring with the content not expiring they could probably stretch it out a little bit longer so it doesn't feel so front heavy so and I am hungry my lunch is sitting here so that's the final question we're going to transition to VIP if you're listening to this and you want to be a VIP to join for VIP call-ins uh, you can upgrade to VIP if you're already a member or pick that membership by clicking join or go to the Patreon uh, or if you just want to submit written questions you just have to be a tier 1 member that's 5 bucks click join or go to the Patreon to do that as always if you're listening or watching in all the other locations you can always catch me live at saynotorage.com and as always please like share and subscribe Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be the VIP call-in that happened after my video about the seasonal format review. If you're listening to this on iTunes or Spotify or Google Play, you can always come in and watch live at saynotorage.com or if you want to use sntrpresents.com to join the Patreon. Both the YouTube has the join button and the Patreon has the exact same member tiers. If you want to call in like the VIPs, that's where you got to do it and then get into the Discord. We have some people ready to call in right now. We're going in kind of a bit of a different order, but we are going to start with Avenger today. What do you got for me? Yes. Yeah, so um, you, you talked about how I wrote that book. Um, and I, obviously, you know, uh, this is kind of too long. Didn't read of it. Um, but basically, I was talking about how, you know, we have seasons coming out and how seasons and they advertise it. it it's not the fact that, you know, they said it. No, they advertise it clearly on their website. That seasons are supposed to be extensions of the end game. And I think that's what kind of made a lot of people mad, especially like when we started talking about this thing, is that they advertised that it was an extension of the end game. Can I press pause? Can you substantiate that? Where is that on Bungie.net? Yes, it was a post made by Deej on the. Let me go. I can actually have a screenshot of it. Uh, it was a post made by Deej on August 29th, 2019. Okay. Seasons of Death. I put a screenshot in the chat right there. Yeah, let me um, open this. Can I uh, let me let me read this to the chat? It says. Seasons are extensions of the Destiny Endgame. This fall, they will become limited-time events in the single-evolving world. Throughout a season, players can tackle new challenges and discover new lore. When a season ends, those pursuits and activities are replaced with a new rewards and themes. So that is a direct quote. They are extensions of the Endgame. Now, they don't define extensions of Endgame, I don't think quite maybe in the way that we might, 
um, because they go on to they go on to outline I think how it's going to work in the subsequent sentences. But continue. Yeah, and I think that key thing, and if you read more onto it, they were talking about um, how seasons are leaving. Um, they talked about you know rise of iron expansion with you know things tacked onto it. But I feel like, and, and this is a majority of the you know at least the end game players that it doesn't feel like it's something that extends it's not an ex, um, extension of it it feels like every season they give us the new flavor of the week which is war mind cells charge with light or this season with ex, you know extended charge with light mods they say well you can use this as you know this is the extension of the end game because this is new ways to tackle the end game content you're not going to be using that those um those new flavors of the week if they're not the most viable one and that's just how players play you know they metagame so if i'm getting okay well warmind cells are good but why change my loadout completely and disrupt my whole loadout just to use something good that might not even be good next season or i can just stick with content that's art something that i know is good and already better than that and i can just stick with that and i feel like that's the issue that we're getting because they say we're going to extend the end game and, you know it's extension of the end game and the extension doesn't feel like an extension in their mind because they were talking about you know adding new ways to play with new exotics and new war mind cells is what they are new um, mods is what they were going after on that and i feel like they don't it doesn't extend to the end game at all well and i think that's part of the problem so like if i like if i read how they qualify extension of the end game i think it's difficult this is something that I think Bungie does sometimes. They leave themselves room. And I think what ends up happening is the more a hardcore player reads this, this fall, they're going to become limited time events in a single evolving world. So they, the antecedent to they is seasons. Okay. So seasons are extensions of the Destiny Endgame. So when they qualify what a season will be, they, it'll become a limited time event in a single evolving world. It's like, I don't know. Now it says throughout the season, players can tackle new challenges and discover new lore. Okay. When the season ends, those pursuits and activities are replaced with new rewards and themes. So to me, this is why I think my summary was they didn't necessarily like deepen the end game, but they maintained end game rhythm, which is exactly what this statement uh, is indicating. They're maintaining the rhythm, not deepening it. Which I think when you're saying extending, I think that's where you're going. You're going, there's a deepening extension. And then I think there's also just like a extension could just mean new stuff to do every season. So you can continue to have an quote unquote end game experience. Because essentially end game is never really defined by anybody. What it typically refers to is when you're done with the campaign. I mean, that's, that's the traditional origin of end game. So it's hard here. I think it's definition of endgame has never been strongly defined by Bungie and they didn't really define extension here as a deepening, but more of a, we're going to maintain the rhythm. So if you're that player hungry for more stuff to grind, you're going to have more stuff to grind. Yeah. And I I feel like season of Dawn was actually a great thing that, you know, if they would have taken heroic sundial and I think, you know, as heroic sundial, I think it was, I think it was a good content, you know, cycle. And I think if they just tune that up just slightly, like I think there was there was talks about there was like a third difficulty or there was like a different difficulty that they data mined or something. I think it was Legend. I think it was the Legend one of it. 
you know, if they mm. just tune that up a little bit, mm. just tune that up just right, right at that right amount where it's, I think that would be, you know, something that's an extension of the end game. I think the Season of Dawn hit a lot of right notes. I actually enjoyed Season of Dawn a lot. And I feel like that right there would have just made it just like the pinnacle. I think a lot of people would look at that and say, wow, this content is up there with um, like Season of Opulence. A lot of, I think if that right there would have done that, because you catered to the casuals a lot with that season, but it also was almost right there with the end game. It was almost right there. And then, you know, Season of the Worthy was a fluke. We all, <laughs> we can't say much about that season, but I feel like they also even had something that could even be right there. You have something like Legendary Lost Sectors that could add something to it there and you know there there are certain things that i feel like they could if they just tweaked up a little bit more it could be right to that extension of the end game that players are asking for but it's like they just don't get it there well and i think what you're you're saying it really lines up with what i was trying to get at and I, th th there's another way i want to phrase this end game lands on the community differently so for some people they're more casual, they're more mid lane. To them, endgame is I'm kind of done leveling or I'm done, you know, with the main, you know, the, whatever the story content was. And to them, endgame is just running Sundial and trying to get all the weapons. That's it. They don't care about god rolls. They don't care about best rolls. None of that. They're just like, I just want to play Sundial. The weapons look kind of cool and they're just kind of happy. So to them, that's endgame though, right? Like that's not a campaign. That's not leveling. That's not like entry level content. They're not running a lost sector or or a public space or 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 a strike. But for you, endgame needs to have that increase in difficulty as well as a reward worthy of the increased difficulty. So this is where hard version menagerie and the hard version sundial fell right on their face. There wasn't a strong enough reason to put up with hard mode menagerie. And there certainly really wasn't a reason to play the hard mode of, of uh, sundial. They took away the fun modifiers. It was only negative modifiers. And there was no real reason to do it. Other than what? I think a pinnacle was, I think that was the only reason to do it. So... This is why I zeroed in on it's not about the fact that hardcores have nothing to do. It's that Bungie never gets enough capital out of what they design. Make the hard mode, make the loot hierarchy. And then as I was saying during the written Q&A, if you have a mode that's not expiring in three months and you can make a hard mode that's genuinely like well-designed and, and quote-unquote hard and challenging with cool loot hierarchy in it, you can naturally tune those knobs to be less generous and less intentionality if you had less intentionality and generosity and hard mode sundial and it lasted for a year that can be tuned more appropriately to how hardcore players engage with content and then it makes more sense if you're gonna go it's like getting on the harder treadmill right the incline's gonna be higher and it's gonna be going at a harder speed so if you're gonna up if you're gonna go up to the harder content and you're really gonna go for that loot it's not gonna be like the faucet of of loot that normal sundial was and that's totally fine if there's loot hierarchy it makes it makes sense it's like oh, it's fine you can be super generous with that loot same principle applied to trials you can be super generous with trials loot to keep casuals in there if there's a death weapons in the lighthouse a lot of people who i um at least having discussions with they say you know they enjoy having you know, a break time for it because they're they're either hardcores or they play you know at least end game content right? right and they enjoy having that break because there's nothing to do but then you also get a lot of people who are hardcores and play this end game content who hate having the breaks because this is their game that they love this is the game they love playing 
And I feel like seasons, you know, outside of them saying, you know, we want to do an extension endgame, endgame being so vague, there's not really a pure definition on that. Mm-hmm. Um, but outside of that, I feel like designing something, designing a game, especially a live service game like Destiny, that makes players say, oh, well, it's just time for me to take another break again. I, I don't feel like that's good development in any sense. Well, I want to say two things to this. I don't necessarily know if you can avoid it. A hundred, you know, I don't think it's avoidable. But I don't necessarily know if they should say this is designed for people to take a break. I, it's you're just naturally. There's only so many. There's so many. There's only so many parks and uh, there's only so many rides in the in the amusement park. There's only so many. So eventually, people are going to be like, "I'm done. I've ridden all the rides. I, it's time for me to leave." Now, obviously, when you design the amusement park, you want people there all day long because then they're more likely to buy concessions, and that's where you make a ton of money because it's just you know it's five dollars for a, a can of Coca Cola. So that you know they obviously want you to stay there all day long. So they don't want to build like two rides. You get bored and leave after an hour. And with Destiny. There's only so many rides, there's only so much stuff they can build, so I just think naturally you're going to get to the end of the road every season and and take a break. I don't know if I don't know if it's that intentional where they're like, nope, we're designing it for you to take breaks or, you know, as some people have said oh, I like running out of stuff to do, I can go play other games. I just wonder sometimes if that's somebody who understands the limitations of the game and they've just got their expectations aligned with it, they hit the ceiling and then they go play other games. You know, so... I, if if uh, it, th- this is something that I've I even think in year four, hardcore players need to have their expectations set. Just because they start to feed you doesn't mean it's going to be a buffet every three months. It's still going to be rhythmic. It's still going to you're still going to run out of stuff to do, and either play less, take breaks, or what bounty hoard. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And the and this is going to be the last kind of thing I talk about here. And this is you know when you're talking about you know having your um, your expectations align for seasons, and uh, you know, obviously, I don't want, I don't want them to just be like, all right, you know, players said they went hardcore, let's just throw everything into the hardcore and not make anything for the casuals, because then that would also mean, you know, Tone Def Bungie added again with, you know, same thing with the Sparrow, like we tell them one thing and they take it to an extreme. I don't want that. I don't want them to make hardcore a bunch of hardcore content and then design that so then you feel like you can never get to that end point where you can say i hit my ceiling i'm done i'm gonna go play another game at the same time i don't feel like right now there is enough end or end game content i'll I'll say end game end game content to sustain that ceiling for longer than two or three weeks and then ev- coming back every time there's a new event for a few hours on that weekend and going away. And mm-hmm. I feel like that right there is the core issue with at least the seasonal development is because they, they drip feed it. They drip feed it, which I can under- I, I actually enjoy it. I enjoy being able to log on every week and now having something new to do or every other week and having something new to do. But they drip feed it in a way that there is it feels like I, the only thing I can do is get on every week and do my uh do my contact event to get the lore and then get off yeah and i something kind of struck me here that year four could potentially not necessarily have you playing more but you might be more satisfied with when you're playing and here's why 
if you're a hardcore player and you squeeze every god roll out of sundial in some respects you're doing that out of completionist and out of checking the box and really that's essentially all there was to do if there would have been a harder version of sundial with really dope gear in there a true loot hierarchy that took a little bit longer took a little bit more work you might have played a similar amount of time but you would feel a greater sense of satisfaction because you are coming away with an award and a reward and a a piece of loot that seems to be lined up with who you are as a player because right now I feel like what happens is not only do you run out of stuff to do but the rewards you're walking away with feel piddly given your sentimentality and what you're truly looking for it's like well yeah I got a bunch of god rolls but so does everybody else like this isn't there's nothing here there's nothing stand out about any of this and so if you play essentially the same amount of time in year four and you hit those ceilings and you do you are going to run out of stuff to do you'll probably feel a greater sense of satisfaction and i think i can give us an example right now of of where that's happening i really really enjoyed the loot grind in prophecy dungeon because i came away with high stat armor and i felt like that was worth my time it was mindless it was the same thing every day but i walked away with loot that feels in line with me, what I want, and what I want to do going forward. I want to have some good stat rolls. I want to have some good builds. You see? So, but contrast that to the amount of hours I put in the sundial, not even remotely the same level of satisfaction. Because my god roll line in the sand, oh, you have one too. How? Oh, you, you slammed Fractaline in the tower. You know, it's just, it's different. I think there's a different... A, a static rolled Genesis chain felt better than a God rolled line in the sand. Why? Because it was in an area that needed, you know, that, that was hard, challenging. You know, it felt like it was attached to the hierarchy of player that I feel I'm, I am. And right now, I feel like you're just going through the ritual for the sake of the ritual, rather than saying, "I want that," and it's there, and it's tough to get, but I want it. And the closest they've come to that is like Anarchy in 1K, but that was, I don't know, that was bad. That was basically the return of Galahorn drop rate from D1 where 100 raid completions and you don't have it yet. That's kind of stupid. You you almost feel like it's owed to you at that point. So this is why I always hammer on Spectrum. I always hammer away on it. It's like, it's like one of the one-string banjos I pull out because... I just think something special happens when it's it's more challenging and the loot itself is better and then you feel that sense of satisfaction because you feel the reward is appropriate. It's it's in line with your desire as a player as well as like time put in and you feel like your skill and your your determination is all attached to that and the three-month seasonal format just didn't work because everything had to be a dadgum faucet so it was either super rewarding i mean worthy doesn't really count but like both this season and worthy it's just really easy to get god rolls and you get them in the tower too so it's not even attached to your experience it's not dropping from the boss loot machine or your uh your slot machine in the tower and you were just trying to get you know the best and then you do it even now with umbrals yeah, yeah. Here's my god roll Igalos Sniper. I got it in the tower. I, I got it from my postmaster in the tower. I slammed umbrals and got it. And so it's like we they need to change things from a structural standpoint as well from an experiential standpoint. Create the difficulty spectrum and the loot hierarchy and get rid of this experience of stuff dropping from the tower or a bounty. I need it to drop 
from the boss. It seems like a minor, like, who cares if it comes from a bounty or a boss? Trust me, it will have an effect on your experience. It will. And so the logistics of it need changed. Okay, we need, we need difficulty spectrum and loot hierarchy. That's the logistics. And the experiential aspect needs to change. The loot needs to drop in the world and not in the tower. That, that's really like all one hit on. The, I think when I was talking about this, um, another thing I was saying that, you know, they need, to, they need to cater more towards hardcore because aspiration breeds desire. Desire gives time. Time gives money. Money brings content content gives aspiration it's an endless cycle and right now i feel like we're missing on that aspiration part so the rest of the cycle just gets out of line there's not a lot of people giving enough time into the game there's not enough people wanting there's no aspiration so they don't want to they don't desire to get this end game content because they're not desiring to do this end game content they're not putting in a lot of time into the game and then it just keeps going into a just a big cycle and then people take breaks and then you know i feel like if it gets out of control it can cause the downfall of the game and i don't obviously don't want that and obviously that's an extreme but i feel like if they keep going down this road it won't end well i think that's one of the reasons you had so many people during what was arguably one of the better seasons in year three season of dawn there were lots of hardcore players that couldn't really put their finger on why they didn't care about chasing the loot i sat here and outlined so many guns that were dope worthy of pursuit were awesome not only were they awesome they looked awesome and everyone was kind of shrugging their shoulders at me there's a reason for that the game just felt too homogenized it's like we're all doing the same activity and getting the same guns and the same roles there is no as you say there's no aspiration if aspiration breeds desire and you know there's a harder version coming with better loot that makes you more invested and it's kind of like when you play a really good action adventure game like horizon zero dawn you know as you're leveling up getting better with combat increasing the strength of your bow and some of your attacks you know that eventually you're going to round a corner and there's going to be a bigger harder enemy you haven't fought yet and you've kind of been gearing up for that if all you ever did in horizon zero dawn was get stronger and better stronger and better and the enemy is basically stayed the same from beginning to end you would be like I don't feel a sense of progression in the world because the world hasn't evolved with me. The content hasn't evolved with us because we basically are all just running what amounts to public event circles or strike circles and we're getting stronger and stronger loot and the loot doesn't feel strong because you're either going into a grandmaster and getting your teeth knocked out or you're you're running the, the dawning. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, sundial. So I think that's where they've really got to see there's so much capital to be earned from difficulty spectrum and loot hierarchy so people don't feel the game's just flattened out and homogenized and we're all essentially doing the same things and getting the same things so oh, hopefully that change will be online but that's that's really all I wanted to talk about we had some good discussion so thank you yeah yeah good stuff I am coming to you Kane uh, Kane a, re- a, a repeat caller who had the great the great glow idea last time see i'm making myself look good on the recording because i forgot that kane called in before during the mic check so during the recording i'm trying to make myself look good because as a content creator you're supposed to campaign for how good of a person you are <laughs> kane are you there <laughs> you might have to unmute yourself <laughs> you you still corner you suck <laughs> <laughs> first time first time call in <laughs> 12.99 a month anyway yeah the uh i'm gonna jump off for what Necron said in his um, question, um, 
about the the like the weapon and sort of upgrading it to like be like a really strong version you you sort of said because it is because i play final fantasy and it is quite a big part of final fantasy and i know what we said what, and especially in the discord saying don't bring like final fantasy stuff over to destiny destiny is its own thing but destiny has done it to be fair once admittedly with necrochasm and it was a bit rubbish but i was thinking well it could be done it has been done and it could work in a way where you know destiny is made majority of casual players i know avenger would disagree with that but it is casual players um and i think it'd be quite a good way to give a casual player um a long-term pursuit to a good weapon not necessarily amazing but like a good weapon saying you know you might go to Magot's Valor, for instance, or whoever it is, maybe that expansion, you know, maybe maybe it could be the Stranger and Beyond Light, and they could and you could and they could have a frame of a weapon, and then you build that weapon, and you go right, this is as powerful as, as it's going to get this expansion. Then maybe next season, when the, when the light level gets raised, that when the light level gets inevi- inevitably raised, the the weapon goes with it, and they go right. This is your way to get a, a guaranteed whatever weapon, but it might not be as good stat-wise. You know, it might be a static roll um, with you know X mark with X perks, or whatever. But it could be a way for that casual players who might not have a lot of time to invest in Destiny. It could be yeah. their way of getting something of just just helping them. You know, it might not necessarily have to be for like for like you for like you or me. You mm-hmm. know, people who have some a lot of hours in Destiny. Um, it could just be for the casual to, to sort of like give them give them a little goalpost to work towards. You know, just keep upgrading it every season. You know, it's something there for you. It's just a little a little carrot on a stick to help you, and it, you know, yeah. it might give them a chance to feel like they are progressing in in a game which constantly expands but doesn't yeah. necessarily add any depth i don't know what you i don't know what you feel about that i don't know whether you think that's a bad idea or what i i think we can see what you're talking about in the pinnacle weapons and when the pinnacle weapons went away and everyone was really angry because they did they were like i knew every season i could get something dope if i just kind of committed the time and that, that's why I think it has to be seasonal because it has to be attached to that $10 purchase because if it's not attached to that $10 purpose, purchase I would worry it would be too it'd be too drawn out so every season they're supposed to have these pursuit weapons and these pursuit weapons are going to be earnable through PvP effort or PvE effort and I think what you're saying is exactly right a more casual player can be like as long as I put in my time I will get this gun eventually it might take me 3 weeks or 4 weeks but I'll get it eventually I think that's fine. I think if you tell that casual player, it's going to take eight to nine months. I think the worry would be, man, that seems like a really, really long time from now. As I gave the analogy in the Q&A, you got to carry this bowling ball with you. It's going to feel cumbersome and kind of like, oh, man, when am I going to get to use this? And then finally, after your hiking trip's over, you come down the hill and there's a bowling alley. And it's like, okay, so nine months, you know, you can use this. Yeah, but the casual player won't be reaching the levels that sort of you and I are reaching, and it wouldn't be in in a pinnacle in the sense that it's a new weapon. Like you'd literally just be working towards, you know, re- you know, they might give you, they might give you, you know, you'll you'll get it to whatever the new cap will be in Beyond Light. Do you know what I mean? At the end of Beyond Light, and then when the next season they release a lot of new weapons. 
that 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 weapon will basically stay as it is but they're just working towards i don't know raising, raising its level by maybe doing a few objectives nothing major but people don't have you know you know x amount of time like you know you like yourselves or people who who are able to work from home or just have more right. disposable time you know it's just the same weapon that they're slowly slowly upgrading and you know but the perks will stay the same but it's just, it's just the light level that's slow, slowly creeping it's just something that they can always always work towards i mean i don't know it could be something way off base but you know i i i you know i, I think everyone was sort of disagreeing with necron and i was like no no I, I i do agree with him and i think that's a way that it could potentially work in the future i mean i don't i don't think it'll happen you know but it's not bungie's prior, priority let's be fair they've got X amount of other things to fix yeah. in the game before they add something like that. Well, I, mean, I saw you in the Discord agreeing with him, and I think we can take the spirit of what you're saying and just shrink it down a little bit so it's more of a morsel and more of a, a seasonal rhythm and still achieve what you're talking about. Because I think my concern would be is if you don't make it super demanding and it's spread out over multiple seasons, I can already hear the community saying, you're just time-gating this weapon. Like, you're just making this weapon. Like, why can't I have the good version now? I gotta wait three seasons, four seasons, whatever. I can already kind of hear a lot of Destiny players saying, this just feels like you're time-gating the weapon to not be really great until the summer, and you've made it somewhat more easy and accessible, so, you know, you check the box every season in, like, the first week. You're a hardcore player. It's like, boom, and you kind of check that box. I think the spirit of what you guys are saying and proposing is good, and I think we're supposed to recapture that with a pursuit weapon every season. Like, hey, you may not be hardcore, you may not be able to go into a raid or a dungeon, but this great weapon is there for you every season to set your sights on, and that's more attainable, I think, for the casual. Like, it's it's easier for them to kind of sense the the reward. I, I'll give you an example. Like, so when my kids do something bad, and I tell them, you know, when we get home in three hours, you're not going to get to do fill in the blank. And my wife's like, that's too far from now. Like, you know, it has to be closer in proximity to the action so they kind of connect the consequence with what they've done. I think rewards function in a similar way. If the reward is too far out it's hard for people to connect that sense of like time in time out reward this is why i think season passes are so popular you know every day every week you're logging in you're getting that sense of like i'm getting something for my time it's more closely connected to your experience and if i got a gun and i knew it wasn't going to be fully upgraded and awesome for six to nine months i think this casual player base would really just sort of be like, I don't understand what's the point. Even though I think the spirit of what you're offering them is good, it might end up landing a little flat. I think it being encased in a season still gives, still kind of honors the spirit of what you have without making it, I think, too arduous and drawn out. Mm. I'm not going to debate. Well, yeah, I think that that's your point. I think I just think it'd be a good. I know, I know, I understand what you're saying, but I just think I do think we're sort of. I don't know. I feel like we're underestimating the. I don't know. I feel like we're underestimating how much it might actually help a casual player by saying, "Well, the majority of the destiny destiny community might be like, oh, wait, time getting it." Well, like, yeah, but they they always say that anyway about anything. That's, that's true. That is literally that is literally the destiny like hardcore like mindset oh you, you, you time getting it like 
like about this traveler's chosen oh your time getting it. it's like shut up yes whatever <laughs> we're time getting everything this is whatever you know but that's the they, they will always think i don't know i'm just thinking about maybe finding a way to just get them up help them even a little bit step up into the into the realms of the higher light level that would then maybe drive them to be to become a more hardcore aspirational player but that's just me yeah, you could be right. I could be underestimating what a casual mid lane would do. It could be, it could, as you're kind of saying, whet their appetite. Like, oh, wow, if I really commit the time, there's great stuff to be had here, and I want to do that again. And now they might be a little bit more, you know, their muscles have been stretched a little bit. They might be a little bit more inclined to go into a raid or grind a nightfall because they're like, you know what? I waited six months for that weapon to get good. You know, certainly I could, I could, you know, try my hand at a raid or something it, again it might uh it might stretch the muscles just enough for them to do something they ordinarily wouldn't i also think what you're saying about you know bringing a casual player more into a hardcore like mentality i think those 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 wheels get a little bit more grease and the cogs turn a little bit easier if there's normal and hard mode stuff i think people are it's, it's weird to say this but i think if you look at a raid or a dungeon and there's a normal and a hard mode I think that automatically is more inviting because they're like, oh, well, I could try the normal mode. I could try the quote unquote easy mode. It's not the hard mode. I think it automatically like does something to a player's psychology to say, I could step in and give this a try. And I think that is one of the goals that Bungie needs to try to secure is getting people into more dungeons and raids because I do think that's some of the best PVE experiences you can have in Destiny. You know, so do I. And that's just that's another issue. Like, if you want, if you if you're trying to get them into it, have you seen the LFG? Have you seen how disgusting it is? Oh, it's just awful. That actually makes me feel a bit sick. You know, thinking about mm-hmm. the LFG is the worst thing. People should be like, oh, ten plus clears with yep. Izanagi's. I was just like, shut up, get like, get, get in your lane. <laughs> like, why? It's just hard for that to. For, to get people into that mentality of, of doing the end game and like the, the what I say what I what I say is the premier content the raids the raids of the premier the the raids of the premier content have been advertised as the end game activity in Destiny One but that's just another conversation that, that's that's completely another topic that I'm not going to get into but yeah, yeah. that's that's my idea that I wanted to share to share with you on a twelve ninety nine a month thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for calling in, dude. I appreciate you, Kane. See you later, Matt. See you later. <laughs> All right, I'm coming to. Uh, I believe next is Gilly. Gilly in the mist, coming to you, sir. Gonna unmute you. What do you want to talk about today? Um, I want to talk about how I feel the overall season to season story isn't lackluster, but is very inaccessible to most of the players who are going to look at it. Um, I know from D1 a lot of the story was at least in the beginning wasn't very good Uh, Mm -hmm. so they already had all those issues with how D1 worked so it wasn't a good foundation then we moved to a somewhat smaller House of Wolves moved to um, uh, Oryx Uh, no not Oryx Uh, no yeah it was Oryx Um, oh no I'm lost Uh, and that was pretty no it Oh my god, I'm embarrassing myself. We started with Frodo, we killed him, and yeah. then we got to Taken King, uh, arguably the best expansion of D1. And I think there's a very good formula on what made it so good. 
One, we knew who we were fighting, and two, we knew why they were fighting us and why we should kill them. Frodo was, er, Oryx was here because we killed his son, and he was mad. He was coming to kill all of us. He destroyed the Awoken when he showed up. That was a threat. A very, very simple reason to, se- to tell a, a good story. I mean, in reality, from like a, a writing perspective, it's not really all that special. Guy shows up because we killed his son. We need to kill him. Best expansion so far. Then we end with Rise of Iron, um, which, you know, with Felwinter and Siva, it gets some good points for because that was a very cool story. Then we get to D2, which started off very strong. Like, I just replayed the very first mission of Red War. A very good mission. Um, fizzles out towards the end when we lose the raid tie-in. I think the raid tie-in also make Taken King very special because you extend that story into the end game. So that fizzled out, and then we move on to uh, Curse of Osiris and Warmind, which I think objectively weren't very bad expansions. I just think they were built on the core foundation of the uh, D2 base mm-hmm. uh, and, and really ignored a lot of the lore, which ticked people who knew about it off. So those kind of sank. And then we got into, um, I call them sub-expansions, Opulence, uh, Forges, uh, Wish of the Black Armory, and uh, Rifter. Um, they told good stories, but very separate, and once again, mostly hidden behind the lore. Um, and then we get to Forsaken, which um, had Forsaken, I, I believe, for, had Forsaken not included Cade, had someone else died, I don't think it would have been very good. Um, I think Cade vastly as a character his death was very significant and that made it a good reason to play someone killed Cade we want revenge simple story that then tied into the raid which also makes it a better story and then um I got those backwards but it's fine um and then we got to Shadowkeep um good start um very cool with the darkness and the pyramids and then a bit of a cliffhanger and then i think really what disappointed most people was that the raid almost told us nothing i mean we got some very good lore but it didn't expand on the cliffhanger of the end of the campaign just gave us another one the darkness is here but find out next year and then the seasons kind of fizzle along somewhat Undying or killing of X-Mind for a reason. Mm-hmm. Maybe you'll know it in the lore. Uh, we're bringing back Saint-14 for reasons. You might know it in the lore. We have to stop the Almighty, which was thrown at us for reasons by someone we don't really know, but you'd know if you read the lore. And, and then we're now here. The pyramids are coming. Well, we've known the pyramids been coming since the end of D1, or D2. So I think that will make this expansion further. And I think, especially now, if they made more of the content in Seasons more visible, not hide it so much behind the lore, give us cutscenes, give us dialogue, give us missions that explain it. Uh, something like the weekly missions. I think people would be much more in, in interested in season Because now it's well, you run the weekly mission, you get a couple of sentences and a lore book. Right, but 
I mean, I'm going to go back to what you originally started with, which was that Oryx was just such a simple, st- you know, timeline and it just, it functioned really well. But I mean, truth be told, there's an insane amount of lore about sword logic and Oryx and in, in who he originally was and how he, he actually changed from female to male. And like, there's all that stuff in the background of Oryx that can be gone and looked at. I think in a similar vein, the Almighty is going to crash into us. The pyramid ships are coming. Those are very simple plot lines that just create a problem. They create a tension and a, something that needs to be solved. You have the antagonists, and we're supposed to be the protagonist. But then there's all this lore underneath if you want to go and look at it. So there's tons of things to look into with respect to the threat of Savathun on the horizon and, you know, who is Rasputin and. You know, the mission, I thought one of the best missions was for us actually in last season when we went down and discovered the original Rasputin. Um, so I don't know if I agree with the, with the take that it, you know, we haven't, we haven't gotten a good, you know, I, I would say division of labor with respect to story. Like, I don't feel like anybody has to go and read a bunch of lore to truly understand what's going on. Um, I don't know. I, I, I just feel like this, and this is where I think sometimes it's just subjective. There's a lot of subjectivity. I think sometimes just the bias that we carry whenever we're, uh, whenever we really enjoy something, it tends to make us think it was, it was the best or better or, or, you know, superior or whatever. So I think sometimes people look at, at, uh, Taken King and they just think it's so superior storytelling to what we have now. And I think there were pluses and minuses to the King's Fall, uh, to the Taken King storytelling method. The Taken King storytelling method was very, very much springboard off of, what, maybe three or four campaign missions and some dialogue, and then that was the end of it. There were, we, we got nothing in regard to that story ever again for the rest of Destiny 1. What we have now is you know, looping back in pyramid ships and tying it all together and Rasputin's been monitoring them and he helps us with a minor threat of the of the um of the Almighty, but then there's a bigger there's a bigger threat on the horizon. So I don't know. I think sometimes there's just there's room to there's obviously room to disagree here because I think some people are gonna think that, you know, that it it's just been it's been boring or it hasn't been very good. I just for some reason have really thought they did a very, very good job the that's been one of the shining points of this uh year three has been the story elements um and i do think some of what you're saying just comes down to preference like oh i thought d1 was better i thought what they did with taken king was better and that i think everybody's welcome to to uh disagree and and see that differently um but you know when i measure it all i'm like i think year three is pretty solid i think with respect to story I don't think the story elements in particular are bad. I think the season content per season is great because we're consistently getting a story. I do think a, a very good counter argument is who is Aramis? Why would anyone care about her? We have, I mean, we, we have a little bit of lore on her, but for most of the people who don't read the lore, don't have it unlocked. Who is she? But who would, I mean, other than finding out that Oryx was Crota's dad, who was Oryx? We didn't know. The game never really mentioned him. Who was Axis? We didn't really know. What, what well, we was knew who Eris Morn was. Eris Morn, you know, we introduced someone who had been, uh, you know, she had her light taken from her. Her fire team was killed by her. The Crota led the, the moon, and when we went to invade the moon, 
Frodo killed all of the Guardians. We we set up a story with him as the antagonist. And I think now we're setting up stories and, and completing those stories in somewhat vague methods. Some, we know, like last season, and I know it's not a very good example, but last season, we like, like most of the people don't know who the Scion was that launched um, the Almighty at us. And then we're using Rasputin's towers to do something. We don't know why, why are we running these towers to destroy the Almighty? It's not even, like it wouldn't be something as simple as well, we're launching these because they're bombs. It's like we're launching these war sats which we don't even know what Warsats really even do, other than, as far as we know, they scan data. And we're going to use that to take down the Almighty. Well, in the Undying, we're building a Vexgate to fight a mind that we don't know why. I think um, uh, the season before Worthy, I think saving Saint-14 was good, but why do we need to save Saint-14? Because Dosiris feels like we should. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean that was... Out of nowhere. Right, but sometimes I just think that's that's that storytelling in general is sometimes you're not really given an explanation. It's just Osiris had guilt and felt he wanted to fix a mistake that he made and he wanted to rescue him. And fundamentally, I think that could actually have repercussions down the line. Like we were not supposed to tamper with the timeline. Um, that typically happens in in any kind of time travel. It's like, hey, you 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 shouldn't have done that. Uh, you just messed everything up. And also, I I feel like what you're doing is is you're you're pinpointing certain things that aren't explained, but it's always been that way. They wet your appetite, and if you want to go really delve into the lore or the depth of the story, you can, but it's sort of optional. We didn't really have a full understanding of what the Dreadnought was. We got bits and pieces from audio files when playing, but there's so much lore around the Dreadnought and around Oryx and around you know everybody involved in his family tree and to the point that like Sa- like Savathun's a great example Savathun suddenly becomes um like a, a consistent voice and a consistent name talked about in Destiny 2 and they never really give us a full explanation of what her motivations are how is she tied to everything but she's constantly sort of in the background I think that's just something Bungie does a really good job with is they whet the appetite of a of a of a lore you know, a lore reader, but if you're not a lore reader, you know just enough to kind of get what's going on. Eh, it's pretty cool, because you're like, we don't even know what war sets are, we don't even know what we were doing with Rasputin. I mean, I kind of felt like it was pretty simple. It was like, this threat is coming, and we need to establish a defense network so that Rasputin can help us, you know, stop this. And in the process, we learned that a greater threat was looming. It's like when you go to get a checkup at the doctor, for something and you find out that there's something more seriously wrong with you like you get kind of lucky you hear these stories right so it's like we kind of got lucky it's like well we thought you know the, uh, the almighty was the big threat but my goodness there's something so much more severe on the horizon and bam summer shows up and there's pyramid ships everywhere I don't know man I, I, again maybe I'm just being too uh, too charitable here but I've I have thought the way they set a lot of this stuff up was the exact pattern of destiny storytelling is you whet the appetite of people who want to look beyond and look deeper behind the veil and it's just enough for ear casual players to be like ah oh, this is cool we're doing stuff and blowing stuff up you know there's so many players that that's that's good enough for them you know i'll concede that maybe the story plots themselves i, I think i'm looking at them in a subjectively harsher way but i do think 
if they gave us more cutscenes and tidbits and showed us not so much of it in lore, but in games. Like I think the perfect example is when we see the pyramid ships come in a cutscene. We didn't see that in a lore dialogue. We saw that in a cutscene. We saw we completed the campaign. You you hear about Sabatoon in voice lines, you know, in in strikes. We we got the, the festering core, which was about Sabatoon and her attacking the Vex. Like we got stuff in game, and I do think they should push a little bit more towards that, um, especially with they have all this opportunity of seasonal content. You have tons of time, and I mean, especially this season, like you have you have us running the same mission every week and yeah. you're filling us with two like two or three lines of dialogue and, and having the rest of it be done in a, a lore book like right but they never but they never delivered they ne- comparatively they never really delivered seasonal content they never really delivered story that often it was never that often like we we never got story beats uh th- th- this close together ever like that i think that's kind of the point is it's it's sure it's thinner but the delivery rhythm dictates that it's thinner like you're getting just some dialogue just a couple sentences here or there because dude in 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 curse of osiris or in warmind or in any dlc any expansion anytime they add to the story you get it all up front and then nothing after it's you know a couple of cutscenes couple of missions and then boom it's done and so the fact that it's it's august it's it's almost an entire 12 month cycle after an expansion and we're still getting elements added to the story that's actually completely and utterly new to destiny so it necessitates that it'll probably be a little bit thinner and since they're drip feeding the story you're getting drips instead of the faucet being turned on and then boom off it like we go from just a faucet of story like oh cutscene, and then months of nothing so the, the the question is which is your preference i am of the opinion that this this is my preference that this idea that like every week i log in and there's 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 a little there's a little bit more to to discover and a little bit more happening to the story i just i i think that's better that's my preference other people might say nope give it to me in the first couple of weeks so i can kind of burn through everything and then take a break i'd rather know everything up front um i think it feels more like an ongoing story when you tell it this way cuz think about it if they were connecting these pyramid ships to conceivably it was supposed to be uh september if if they were connecting this to september and they did the 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 faucet method where we got all the story all the dialogue everything from eris right up front in the first couple of weeks then the baton handoff is not super seamless it's like yeah for the last two months we haven't heard anything about this and now all of a sudden it's being drummed up again in this way obviously if there wasn't a delay there's more of a baton pass it's like okay these last couple of weeks there's been a bit of a crescendo there's been an intensity build more things are happening with the pyramid ships and swell boom handoff to the next thing so you're going from one chapter to the next this is like reading all of chapters you know one through five and then not reading the book for two months and picking it up with chapter six it just doesn't feel as connected that's why mid-season breaks and shows like walking dead drove me crazy it's like oh it's supposed to be super intense who's Negan gonna pick and you wait two months to find out it there was no there was no emotional impact anymore i was like I, it, it was too much time in between and so i think this method of storytelling actually hands off the baton better because it doesn't feel like it's we're pressing pause for two months it's no it's an ongoing story it's evolving week to week oh no i, I would perfectly agree that i think the seasonal model is far better at telling a consistent story um 
I just wish they would integrate the lore as as like drip fed as they have done as they're doing now in, in a little bit more of an obvious space, um, a little less lore entries that are just walls of text, which are great. I think they're great for backfilling story. I don't think they're good for setting up main campaigns this year. Like yeah. setting up Sabathun in lore this year is good because you're giving us tiny little tidbits that hey this is coming. But when you have this whole year that is is somewhat loosely tied along in game from your efforts to Aramis, which has almost no direct in game visibility, I think they're kind of missing out. Like keep keep the seasonal model, keep slowly dripping feeding us this story because it makes us feel like we're in a single evolving world. Just what you're drip feeding give a couple of hints and nudges towards what's coming in the fall i think pyramid ships are great but i also think that i don't think the pyramid ships are going to be as big of a focus as we think they are this year well no and you got to give them time though i think they're going to set up the fall and aramis and the stranger and all that. i think you just got to give them time in due time is what i would say to that like we're we got a long we got a long way to go i think before they're going to drop some of that and so um yeah, I'm, I I I have to move on because we spent a lot of time on this. Oh, but I, I, I appreciate I appreciate you guys that love the lore so much. I think it's admirable to want more lore shoved into the game. I think I've had this conversation a lot over the last five years. People get so like, put more lore in the game, put more lore. I think they have to find a delicate balance, and so I think you're always going to be a little bit more hungry. There won't be quite enough in the game for you, and I think that's probably by design. I I do. So I appreciate you calling in though. Mm-hmm. All right, yeah, we got to move on. I, I was spending a lot of time with him and some others. Um, no, nah, I can't allow any other tack-ons, uh, re- techno. I got I got people that haven't even gone yet. Uh, I got Rexus and Sasanu, so we'll be going too long if I let you call in as well. Sorry, sir. Uh, Rexus, I'm coming to you. What do you got? Hi, Lano. Uh, I have to kind of... <laughs> Gilly, screw you. You basically took my point <laughs> in some way. But I have to... I have to disagree at some in a few means. Uh, first of all, Gilly said uh, it feels like a little more dry. Like we don't really like it. Just happens, but we d- we're not really interwoven into it anymore. It feels like we're uh, I don't know. I said we we, don't, we didn't even fully know what kind of defense system we're doing. We uh, Rasputin didn't as anything neither did Anna nor did Savala really we just yeah do the event maybe give us a little background how it works and why the Fallen are trying to or and the Cabal are trying to interfere with it because the Fallen and the Cabal don't really care about the darkness or rather us trying to defeat the darkness they're trying to get upper hand about on us and don't really care about the uh, the pyramids yet Yet maybe they will at some point. Uh, <clears throat> something I mean, like that is missing, but yeah. it always has been missing. I have to honestly say, reg- looking back, I think that Gilly has a lot of nostalgia there that is not really truly there because I remember, like, okay, I remember the Red War campaign uh, was. Uh, you were somewhere within, but it was just the campaign did not work. But other than the main campaigns, we never really were that interwoven into it. We were not really understanding more what we were doing, other than maybe, let's say, uh, 
Sundial was nice because it really showed, it really said, yeah, we are doing exactly that for that reason, and it does this. And I'd kind of have really liked to have more of this. Well, I, I mean, I can go all the way back to, I, I can go all the way back to Destiny 1, and I would even say when we made ourselves Ascendant to go into the Ascendant realm, there was never really an in-depth explanation about what that even was. We just knew it was another realm, and we went and did this thing, and so now we can go into the Ascendant realm. We don't know how we get in. We don't know how we get out. We walk through a portal, we're in there, we leave. Like, I just think that's part of destiny where you get like a big picture you get cliffs notes in the game and you're like wait how did this all happen well if you want to know there's like the, the lore cards over here and you can read about sword logic and how could how could oryx change his gender and how could he take himself and you know what happened to eris's face like there's i i don't know i feel like the game has always been cliffs notes on the front end and a, a well of lore and depth on the back end if you wanted it and that has never changed from the best dlc of one taken king to now it's always been a bit of a what does all this even really mean what what is ascendant realm what how did we even get in there how is he even taking people what power is he using is it a hive power is it a dark power we don't even know he just uses it so i don't know i i think that's where I land on it. I think they've always done such a great job of the writers and the lore crafters are brilliant, but they don't shove that in the game and give you homework and a big listening assignment because sometimes you just want to go blow something up. And I think they've put in a, they've they've definitely put enough there. I mean, look at some of the there's literal entire careers in YouTube built around people reading and studying lore. I mean, that just goes to show you how well written and how in-depth it all is, and it's not even in the game. We're, all we get is the tip of the iceberg. These guys go down into the depths and they mine all the all the treasures and the, the little nuggets of cool stuff, and they bring it back up to the surface to show us and break it all down, and th- I think there's something really special about that. It would be, I think, a little different if we got these big soup I I don't know how they could put more lore in the game without it feeling either forced or like well that still wasn't enough it still doesn't make a lot of sense you still have to go and do a lot of reading because it's it's really in depth um and plus, they've added a lot of lore now. You get the lore cards on a gun that you could read. We got that on Felwinters. I thought that was super dope. I thought those entries were so well written, and I went and got them all, and I read them. Um, the delivery of them was probably the biggest problem. We should have gotten them maybe more automatically. It was like, oh, if you use it, you get them. Well, who's going to use that weapon in PvE? <laughs> like, you know, it didn't seem like a PvE weapon. But other than that, you know, I, I don't know. I think we've had this discussion in, in a lot of different ways over the years. I think the lore guys are always like, put lore in the game, put it in the game, it's so awesome. And I'm like, you're right, but they're not going to do it. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, that's that's kind of the shame. What, what, what I thought about the similar thoughts uh, I had with uh, Overwatch, where it's even worse regarding the lore, um, other than the cinematics, uh, Destiny knows how to make cinematics and we've got so much lore in the background and so much so many untold stories that i don't know an audiobook maybe even a series a small one like a size of uh, last season of clone wars where you yeah. where you actually have these things explained because there is a lot that 
like it would be a lot more open to all the people that have a little bit of interest in it because let's face it currently the law is um uh, a little all over the place you have to um look at an exotic then you have to look at a weapon from the raid then you have to look at a weapon from the season the law tab it's kind of all over the place that's why law channels exist because it's let's say well, it is structured but the structure is somewhat um weird <laughs> Well, and don't the lore channels free Bungie up from needing to do what you you want them to do? Like they don't have to pay, they don't have to pay these guys anything. And 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 it's a fair trade. It's a fair trade. These guys make very good money making videos about lore, and 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 great. That's awesome. That there was a va- there was a need and a vacancy there, and the people with the the right you know voice timbre and the right uh, ideas really took it and ran with it. And I think Bungie probably looks at it and says. Do we want to spend any time shoving audio files in the game or creating an audio book? Nah, let these guys do it. Like, they break it down. I, I think there's something that they love about that. And to be fair, I think that's something that strengthens and ingratiates the community even more because we own the lore as much as they do. We comb over it. We make videos or have videos or watch videos or study it all. And if there was just some book you could go and watch or read or whatever, um, I don't know. That might cheapen some of the unique romance that we have between the game's backstory and its and its uh, its player base. You know, it's it's unique in that regard. I think there's not a lot of games that necessarily create a treasure trove of out of the game lore and backstory. Um, and I still would love to see an animated series. I think they've got great voice actors and the cinematics are always super strong. I mean, a Pixar level, uh, series as far as animation goes, and it's all about destiny and stuff, I think would be, I feel like there's untapped potential there, especially with seasonal content. You could supplement your story and get a really, really good production team and, you know, try to make some good money on it and monetize it so it pays for itself. And that could run alongside of seasonal content to really get us excited um, and tie the story together and not make... And then the game wouldn't have to lead so heavily on cutscenes and stuff. Um, I think that's untapped potential. I know um, Defiance tried to do that with the TV show. So they're... I don't know if they'll ever do that with Destiny, but I can can always get behind more story and more lore because I always think it's so interesting. I just always look at it as a realist, and I'm like, audio files are huge, that's time-consuming, and they just have never really done a huge focus on stuff like that. Yeah, that's, it's not necessarily that that needs to be the the point, but a, a more friendly introduction into the lore would be nice, because currently the story... Like, second thing is... Um, in my mind, one of the uh, best ways of storytelling was the... Um, first mission of uh forsaken that was one in my opinion and what what i've experienced to be honest i said i have not experienced d1 but d2 experience this mission was to me got here i got to know like many people from destiny 2 did not really get to know kate 6 other than you just is the funny guy that's it and the first mission with its soundtrack together and with um, splitting up and seeing Kate running across the bridge while you're running underneath in the tunnel. Like they actually did that if you replay it. You, ca- you kind of have to look out for it, but he's constantly on screen again just for a little, for a second or two, and then you split up again. And uh, I do like. 
with the seasonal model, I do, I understand Gilly there that he misses such moments. Yeah. Th those are the moments that I miss, but it's not necessarily bad storytelling that is happening. It's really more those those real moments have gotten rarer. The, the big moment was at the, the the big moments we've had are were now at um, the end of uh, how, what was it called? Uh, I feel the, like the like expansion. I feel like Shadowkeep had some crazy moments yeah. though. It it had it had, but it never felt. Uh, you do you do not fully feel connected. And after that, with the seasons. During the seasons, there was nothing. There was nothing like it. I, uh, yeah, okay, one I, I thing. I don't know. I, the, the season, the but crash here... of the, the, Go ahead. the crash, the the crash of the Almighty was magnificent, but it was kind of tainted by how strange it was. A little, it was a little strangely structured time-wise, and it felt but... like you're just sitting there for ages and nothing happens. It was cool. I. I'd, I don't say it was not cool, it was absolutely awesome, but maybe even being a bit... You felt a little less involved just standing in the tower, to be honest. Well, I, yeah, I don't want to break down the, that event again. I don't want to do that. But I mean, because everybody, everybody got really passionate about how long it took. But I want to say something similar that I said to the last, the last uh, to Gilly. I feel like you're criticizing appetizers for not being filling enough i don't think seasonal content is ever going to match the moment we saw a pyramid ship the moment that we got to talk to somebody who was from the pyramid ship who looked like us the moment that we saw eris more and interact with what looked like some sort of a dark power those were pretty significant and dope moments and you're just i don't know if you're going to get those in seasonal content although the fell winter quest was phenomenal it was so it's such a bummer it was so buggy because i thought the little holograms and the narration and discovering the original rasputin was freaking dope like I, I don't know i maybe i'm because i loved rasputin so much that was more impactful to me but i do worry that the seasonal content we're sort of describing piecemeal deliveries as being piecemeal it's like it's that's the way that these are kind of going to land um you're not going to get these Eris interacting with a dark sub, a, a dark power, or somebody from the pyramid ship talking to us in a cutscene. You're not going to get that in the seasons. I just don't think they're built for that. And I want to read what Lightleap said. We went and found Saint Fourteen, who became uh, who he li he is literally because of time travel to give him his shotgun. One of the most iconic characters who learned. Right, we did that. We did. Yeah, I do. I feel like we've been pretty woven into the game. You ain't wrong there, but but regarding the bigger story things, sometimes we feel a little disconnected. The larger threads. But but at the same time, I was more asking myself the question regarding cutscenes and quick storytelling. It also feels a little less connected because there is so much time in between, between each one. And I was asking myself the question: Do I prefer the seasonal model or the? Um, or do I prefer the DLC model we've had before? And I still prefer the seasonal model, but I do still want to say that the seasonal models has a few um, things where it is not as good as the DLC model. It is, re it is in regarding storytelling effectiveness. 
it is a lot more like it is a bit more difficult if you spread it out to have this coherent narrative when people are at some point just going online playing one story mission and then a whole week is nothing and we're like wait wait next week or next month even with the uh, current um, with the uh, ex exodus quests uh i i almost forgot what we were doing before like oh yeah that was it again what what did we do what what happened uh oh been a month but yeah. it's still it was supposed to be connected well but i said something to gilly about this though because like we're in new territory they never delivered story this this often before so i i, I do i think it's it's naturally going to be a little bit more thin i mean we used to have a story for two weeks and then nothing for months i mean and then they weren't even connected like Warmind was not connected to osiris in any respect ada and the drifter and opulence none of those were connected and all the story was in the first couple of weeks so the fact that each week there's a little bit more being added i actually think is is better i mean it's like it's like it's almost like we're going to an author and we're like hey we love your books and we we love that you're writing more than you used to but the stories are too short we don't want short stories we want we want mini novels instead and he would simply reply i can't write a mini novel in that rhythm you're gonna have to settle for short stories and i feel like that's essentially what we're dealing with is just it's a rhythm of storytelling we've never had in destiny so they are just fundamentally you know more thin and then seemingly a little bit more disconnected you know so. oh i'm i'm as as so often i'm not saying like a oh, bunch are doing a bad job it's more i'm trying to do objective criticism to myself to my own brain like that part i like that part gives problems yeah yeah but i am i very much i'm looking forward to how it is how it keeps going and I'm kind of staffed currently for story because we have to, for the uh, large portion again, wait until uh, November. Yeah, that's almost <laughs> half a year. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's part of it. That's part of Destiny's psychology is that the droughts make you hungry for the feasts, and so I think that's kind of what has always happened. So I think, you know, hopefully November is that payoff where. You you know you don't eat a lot before the big Thanksgiving dinner because it's going to taste so much better you know and, and so I think we're going to hopefully have a, a similar uh, feeling in November I do we're we're over an hour so I have to go on to uh, Sasanu always good talking to you Rexus thanks for calling in thanks for having me as usual see ya see ya all right so patient Sasanu waiting an hour uh, and eight minutes to talk uh, appreciate you calling in what do you want to talk about. Hey, um, um, uh, first of all, I want to say that um, I'm actually really glad that you're back. Um, I had some really bad anxiety when everything was going on with you, and I'm really glad that you're okay now, bro. Well, I appreciate um, I appreciate you saying that. Uh, so I kind of I have a different type of question, but uh, I kind of understand what like these guys were kind of talking about. Mm -hmm. It's not really like there's no story and everything. It's just like. There is a story, but the way it's presented is kind of all over the place. Like, if you go back to Forsaken, uh, the story wasn't really about getting revenge for Kate. Kate was just used as a marketing ploy to kind of sell us the DLC because we love Kate. <laughs> the main story was mostly about, like, you know, the curse cycle from Sabatoon. That was the main thing. But, like, uh, 
can you imagine that if you are if Bungie never said anything about K, right? And then you found out while you were playing the actual story that they killed Kate right in front of you. Like the impact, all the rush of emotion that from this will be crazy. Yeah. You know, same thing for Shadow Keep. Like I played Shadow Keep, but the story wasn't really about the pyramid. Like, no, first of all, it was like Shabbat Shadow Keep. Okay, the Red Keep appeared on the moon. You're like, okay, let's go find like what's going on with those, with those uh, uh, enemies, right? And then you're like, whoa, freaking well. Like, you know, you see like this pyramid. It's like, okay, I'm in. Let's see what happened. And then it just ends like that. But the main baddie is actually in the dungeon, which kind of make no, no sense to me. But anyway, that's what I want to say about what they say. But my main thing is that I love the DLC format and I actually do not like Destiny in its current form right now. Mm. Because... I used to be a really hardcore player. Right now, I'm all casual fire at the moment. And yep. then uh, I have two jobs. When I when I log in, I have like two, three hours to play. And sometimes I feel like I waste my time when I play. Like, mm. I will play a dungeon or a raid and I, I don't even level. You know, and I get all these like crazy builds I want to try, but I cannot use any of these mods because, you know, I have to change the affinities and all that kind of stuff like that. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it, it it feels like the, the game is slowly becoming a mobile game. And I know you trust not Bungie, but you trust the director. Yeah. And it does not he doesn't appear to be like, you know, a corporate guy. And I'm waiting to see what it does. Mm-hmm. But I just don't feel like Bungie has I don't wanna I don't wanna call him lazy because the the the, the, the art team is good, the music is good, the gunplay is freaking amazing. But I don't know if they can deliver on that promise. Yeah. Coming September. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's one of the reasons it got delayed because I think they, they know that this is, to a certain extent, I think year four is the true testing ground. Year three, I think a lot of people have already kind of deduced that year three was a get-by year. And Luke even kind of sort of indicated this in his director's cut where he said, you know, the question was, can we survive on our own? And then the question became, okay, we survive, now where can we take the game? And so I think that's probably why Year 3 had like a mobile game feel, because it was more friendly to just kind of putting in your time and getting your season pass and leveling automatically with the, you know, the artifact. The fact that you indicated, you know, you you only can play a certain number of hours, but you're more hardcore in your sentimentality. And I think there's actually a lot of players in your boat that your spirit and your heart is hardcore, but your allotment of hours simply isn't. And I think that's one of the reasons why I've always railed against leveling. It should be faster and more streamlined. You should not be, you know, kept at arm's length from good content by by slow leveling. And then you touched on builds and affinity and costs and all of that. I've also really hammered at that. I just think experimentation should be more encouraged by removing some of those barriers to different builds and mods. Remove that currency cost. Make it easier to disrupt my build and try different things out. And the reason I don't think that's casualification is because that's more about accessibility. I'm not asking for dungeons or raids to be made easier. In fact, we've been asking for the exact opposite. We want hard modes in a lot of those. And I think... 
you're well in your right as a developer to add more hard modes and more challenging content if you're making leveling and experimentation through builds a little bit easier and more accessible now you're completely validated to say we're going to make really tough content because you know build crafting and leveling is faster and easier it's not as it's not this giant pain point because truth be told if if you only have three hours to play and you'd rather run dungeons and raids you should be able to do that it shouldn't come down to well you got to punch your time clock and level for a month it should be no as long as you're skilled and you know what you're doing you should be able to jump into that content no problem uh barrier of entry to content shouldn't be rng leveling it should be a matter of determination skill and if you have like a fire team or not yeah but because that's my main problem with the with the current like you know level of destiny right now uh, because I do not want easy content. That's not what I'm asking. I do not b- want to be giving guns or have mm-hmm. to go to the tower to get like a god roll sniper. I wanna like for example, like uh, I regret that just going back to PvP. And the first time I got killed with the Luna's how I'm like, I want that gun. Mm-hmm. So I play PvP every time I could get it until I got the Luna's how and I got to legend. I got enough forgotten, but they went ahead and they just destroyed it. Yeah, and I'm like, why? Why am I doing with this gun? But another question I want to ask you is that, do you feel like uh, Bungie is in a state that where, for example, I know they are giving a lot of gun away, and then there are a lot of stuff like I see like a bunch of idea from Avengers Light Leap U, especially about like the armor system where like you know if you could invest in in certain amount of stat, for example, you go into mobility certain tiers of like you know flavor text unlock for you you know what yeah. i mean or like the gun instead of like chasing rampage what what like you give it to the to the casual player right they get the gun they get rampage tier one but what if you achieve mastery with mm-hmm. that gun and you unlock rampage tier two or tier three until tier five and then like because i feel like the master of the weapon is like almost useless at this point Besides, like just creating orbs, uh, I I don't even like master anything, not even the armor, because I only get it to like eight, just to be able to put the mod that I want to play PvP, because that's the only place I actually see that, that there's a difference in my speed and my grenade and my my strength when I play my Titan. And then yeah. when I try to play the harder content, my my friend was like, "Hey, uh, let's go to the Grandmaster Nightfall." I'm like, "But why?" There's no loot there that's more powerful than anything in the game. Yep. And I'm gonna die. Like I'm not a hunter. I cannot dodge. I cannot mitigate the damage. I have to either face tank it or freaking hide all the time. It makes no yep. sense to me. Yep. I don't know like what kind of system would you be able to kind of uh allow the casual player to get what they want, but also also get like for, let me just rephrase it. Um, the the casual player will get what they want, but the hardcore player can pursue something higher than that. Yes. Which the casual player will see that and will aspire them mm-hmm. to become hardcore themselves. Yes. This is this is exactly why we've said we need difficulty spectrum in the content, and then we need loot hierarchy so the loot's better at the top. And that's that's the only way this works so you're like why would i run grandmaster nightfall if there was a loot incentive in there you would think oh i want to go in there and then this is what we were debating earlier when i said they should be creating pain points in that content that 
makes you go to your build and consider a way to build that as you said isn't just like face tank and hiding and every time this debate about grandmaster comes up there's always people that are like oh but there are build options you can play aggressive you can play this way and that way and it's like generally speaking most of the way that we mitigate pain in this game is we go up on recovery and we use supers and evasion and hide and that's essentially how we solve for x i mean that's the problem right you know you're solving for x and so i i said that i would rather them do you know, a variety of positive modifiers that push you toward a variety of builds to solve those problems so that then you're you're attaching your power and your sense of customization with, okay, I'm solving this, I'm solving and, and beating this content more efficiently. Now, the only reason you're going to go through all that pain and trouble and troubleshooting is if there's loot on the other end of the journey. There's got to be something driving you other than just checking off the box. I think Grandmaster right now for so many people is literally a box check. They do it, they get the check, they you know, they get the triumph, they get the whatever. I think loot's a stronger driver. And I think when you have a normal and a hard mode and you put really dope loot in the hard mode, that's how you motivate casuals to jump over the fence. To be like, I'm gonna take a crack at that. Like what you did with the Lunas. It's like you you oh man, that's that's worth the struggle. That's worth the trouble and the pain. And without that, I think it just ends up becoming you're either low card farming in trials because that's easier and more efficient than going flawless, or you're just running in a tiny circle to get umbrals, or you're just, you know, farming for god rolls in the tower with Fractaline, or, you know, you're, I guess, Sundial, you at least had to run it for a while before you could really do that efficiently. Um, and, you know, and you, you said, what, what, why don't we get flavor text from different stats and stuff? I would love to see them do that, you know? If I went up in if I went up in in stats, um, if I if I went up in stats to get the you know if I go up on resilience, you could give me intrinsically minor major resist or concussive dampener, uh, you know as oh that's worth then investing in resilience and and things with like mobility and stuff. And when you said like mastering certain perks, that's actually in I'm, I forget what video I put that in. I love the idea. People wanted to bring back gun investment. You got to level up the gun to use the perks. And I was like, no, 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 no. That was terrible in Destiny 1. But what you could do is, oh, now that you got the god roll, now you have to invest in the gun by using it, and then the perks level up from tier 1, 2, and 3. The perk would get the little yellow outline. So like that, that's that's an idea that we've, we've kind of batted back and forth here for a while that give me a little bit more investment and specialization and mastery of the weapon after I've gotten it. So, it looks like we might be having a technical issue. Susana said, I'm using my PC to hear you. You got cut off. Yeah, I'm not sure what happened, but we're, we've kind of gone long. So, that actually was a really good conversation with Susanu anyway. Um, so, I am going to go ahead. And that was our, that was our, um, that was our last caller. Uh, so, I am going to go ahead and chop the VIP call in there. It's an hour and 20 minutes in anyway. That's a pretty long one. Great calls and conversations, though, today. I really, really, these are getting, VIP call-ins are getting better and better. If you want to take advantage of being a VIP, click the Join button now on the YouTube channel. The Join button will let you pick VIP, or you can go to the uh, the Patreon if you prefer that. SNTRpresents.com will take you to the Patreon. As always, if you're listening or watching in the other locations, please like, share, and subscribe.